Welcome to episode 16 of the XFL Insider Podcast. Big welcome to Evan. Evan, how are you doing tonight, man? I'm doing great, man. I appreciate you having me on and excited to talk about XFL and hopefully a couple things beyond that. Yes, sir. Looking forward to it. <clears throat> I've been greatly, greatly anticipating your appearance. So thank you for coming on tonight, man. I know back in, I think, week one of Houston, I remember spotting you out meeting you and wondering what is this guy doing what what why is he special but then after i got to know you man i realized why and much respect to you brother so look forward to getting to know you more after we talk some xfl updates uh but yeah dude i want to congratulate you first on your position uh, assistant director of player personnel with the vegas nighthawks that seems like it's very exciting oh absolutely man yeah no it's it's been fun so far i've I've learned a lot just in the past couple of weeks since I've started doing things and we'll, we'll get, we'll get into that more later, I think. But um, yeah, man, I, I appreciate it. Yes, sir. No doubt. Let's go ahead and jump right into some XFL news. So, uh, I mean, about what, two or three hours before the show, we had an article drop from XFL news hub uh, talking about Vegas relocation rumors. I know we've talked about this on the show and as well as I'm pretty sure every media conglomerate uh, personality has discussed this as well. Um, talks of Vegas relocating to a different stadium or city, most likely city, as we know. Um, this dropped from Mark Perry, but he got his information from Mike Mitchell, correct? I believe so. Yes, I, I believe gotcha, Mike gotcha. was uh, talking to people inside. Yeah. Are you familiar with this article at all? I should have asked you that from the get-go before I just started talking about it. Uh, I haven't looked at it yet. I saw that it was posted, and you know, I had discussed this with some people before it went live. Um, but I am aware of the situation overall. Understood, understood. So basically, I mean, it's kind of voicing what we all thought come the end of the season. We weren't really sure if Vegas would be a viable market. Uh, the prospective relocation sites are nashville and arizona i mean what those locations seem good but i mean i I really would like to see a san diego here honestly yeah um now i'll I'll say this man you know um vegas in in terms of the market i don't think it's that bad but we all know that this isn't what the xfl pictured right i'm working for a vegas team now um in arena football you know we're based in henderson which is a, a suburb but um vegas in general i mean it's booming for sports right now you've got that the shrine bowl was there they've moved now but that was there at one point you've got that the pro bowl was there um they've got the brand new allegiant stadium um there's just so much going on uh, nba g league ignite is based there too um out of our arena just a lot of things right so i don't necessarily think vegas is a bad market but i do think that the immediate um, concern right now is is Cashman Field. I mean, we can get into cities and markets and what we'd like to see. I know you brought up San Diego, which I love to hear because that's my hometown. I'm from there. Would love to have the XFL there. Um, you know, we had the AAF there back in uh, in, in 2019. But anyways, um, you know, I think right now the number one concern, you know, before you can even get to a different market is a different venue. I think they really want to get out of Cashman because um, it's a really sticky spot. And I've talked to players um, that were on the Vipers last season um, that were not very pleased with uh, um, the, the state of that uh, venue. And I'm sure that goes the same for, you know, coaches and uh, and media and everyone that was around that site on a regular basis covering the games um, in Vegas. Because 
and you have to think about too, you know, the players had to travel there from Arlington, you know, so they weren't based out of there. They had to specifically fly to that location. And I don't think a lot of them really enjoyed doing that. It's not exactly, um, again, it's not, it's not how we picture Vegas. I, I think the league was very excited about going to Vegas. They, they wanted to capitalize on um, an incredibly expanding uh, sports market. And I love Vegas. Again, I think it's a great spot. I've got ties there now with my new job. Um, I think it's great, but ultimately, you know, um, it, it caused a lot more problems, I think, than it needed to. I mean, we can talk about, again, the venue and, and all the logistical stuff, but what was really, I guess, annoying is the term I'll use here, was the delay in information, um, you know, prior to the last season. I mean, the, the schedule didn't come out until January. You know, that was like yep. maybe six weeks before kickoff at best. Um, and I, I don't think the league intended to have the schedule come out that late, but because they were still finalizing uh, Cashman, which almost seemed like a, an emergency option by that point, because um, you know there was some smoke about uh, Sam Boyd Stadium, it, you know where UNLV plays, and maybe another location. Um, but ultimately, that didn't work out. So they had Cashman come in late uh, as a contender, and um, you know as a result, that delayed really um, things that the entire league wanted to do. So this is something you know that uh, it doesn't just affect you know the Vipers and and the Vegas team and. Um, I guess that market, but it affects the XFL as a whole. And you and me both know that. Um, I know, I remember the first time that they had uh, the Vegas product on TV, the first Vegas home game that they aired. Um, I forget who was it It was against. I, I want to say it, it might've been DC. Um, it was DC. I remember, yep. Yeah. I, I do remember the game. And um, I remember thinking, you know, all the other venues look pretty good. Even Orlando, which I know had attendance issues as well. Um, you know, Camping World Stadium, you know, they've had the Pro Bowl there before. That, that's a pretty solid venue, um, which contends with the rest. But obviously Cashman was a tier below. And, I mean, you could uh, you could – you could see that on the on the TV broadcast that um, I think it shocked a lot of people. And, you know, when you're a new league trying to make a new impression or, well, maybe not new league, but new ownership, new identity, new everything, um, you know, having that, you know, come on TV, um, it, it just didn't look great. And it really didn't get any better as the season progressed. I, you know, they, they tried, you know, to make things, uh, change some things, whatever, but I don't know. Personally, I think, you know, getting out of Cashman, is the best option. And I think, you know, whether they can find another spot in Vegas, uh, which will be difficult, or if they move out of the city uh, entirely, you know, everything's on the table now, it seems like, is what we're hearing. Yeah, I think this is our official, uh, our flag wave that they're letting us know, hey, we may be moving, but we're not going to tell you officially yet. I've I can sense the frustration from a lot of fans, not not necessarily just Vegas fans, just fans in general, because this kind of it looks bad. I mean, it looks bad for the league as we go, as we're trying to sell season tickets and build a fan base. On on my end, I think they should do what's best for the the franchise as well as the brand. So if hey, if if you're gonna make money, you're gonna have some popularity, move that market. Go ahead, but do it with an established plan, do it with established media. Uh, don't don't just do it, you know, when you feel like and, and hope everybody's happy about it. Last season, I mean, you could not buy tickets for them except I think it like you said, it was literally a month before, maybe five weeks before. Um, it's kind of the same thing now. I mean, you can go get season tickets for every team except for Vegas and Houston due to both of the infrastructure or, or the the remodels or the, the the moving or whatever you want it to be. So, I mean, 
it in terms of a fan, it it's bad and good, but I think that they need to do what's best now and definitely do it soon because this is not good, good publicity and people are going to run with this stuff. They're going to run with it and go crazy. So that's my yeah. opinion. No, I, I think, you know, and I, I think there was even a bit of skepticism about the Vegas market before it even officially launched. I remember being yeah. out, um, I went to the XFL showcase in Arizona last summer, July of 2022. And um, even then, I mean, that was, you know, months before we really had any sort of concrete evidence about what was going to happen. We, you know, knew that we had an XFL team in Vegas. I don't even think it had been officially announced by that point. We just had heard some things and we didn't have a name. We didn't have any details. Um we didn't have anything like that. So uh, I, I think there was definitely a level of skepticism, you know, even before that market opened. And then, you know, once all the delays came in and we saw Cashman for the first time, you know, things things haven't been better uh, since then, you know, and it's, it's a shame that um, it's panned out that way. But I, I think this is a good time now to talk about uh, possibly different markets in the likely event that they do have to move out of Vegas completely because there's just not a lot of options there um, outside of what they already have. I'm sure they tried to get into Sam Boyd. They might have um, even tried to get into Allegiant. Um, but, you know, obviously those are, are pretty um, pretty tied down with a lot of things. And I we, we knew even um, last summer that that was going to be a um, that was going to be difficult. I, I think the XFL thought they had more leverage than they actually did when when they were going into that. So, again, it all kind of comes back to one thing, but uh, you know, in terms of markets, um, you know, I was really surprised not to see San Diego on that list because, you know, I think, I mean, even during the season, you know, when Vegas was playing at home, I, I would go on Twitter and I'd always see, you know, you know, move, move this team back to LA or, you know, take them to San Diego or, or somewhere else on the West coast, you know, and um, I don't know, uh, you know, San Diego again. I'm biased, right? Because I'm from there. But it would definitely be cool <laughs> to have a team there. And I, I hey, I, I do think we would get a good turnout. You know, with with Snapdragon Stadium, it's a new stadium. Um, it's not the best stadium. They, they don't have a lot of shade there. Um, there's definitely some flaws, but it's a good size overall for um, for spring football. You know, I think it's thirty five thousand people or something. It reminds me a lot of um, you know TDECU, where where you and me were. Uh, when the Roughnecks were playing last season, which, of course, that situation now might be subject to change as well. Um, maybe we'll get into that later. But anyway, um, getting back to my point about markets, you know, I something tells me, you know, San Diego still might be in the mix and we just haven't heard about it because maybe there hasn't been any discussion. The fact that Nashville and, I guess, Tempe, Arizona, the ASU's campus, the fact that those have come out makes me think that maybe there's been some sort of mutual discussion between both parties in, in Nashville Agreed. and Arizona between uh, the XFL. And, you know, the, the Phoenix one or Tempe, whatever you want to call it, intrigues me more because, first of all, that would keep the team on the West Coast. And second of all, you know, the XFL has already been in Arizona, specifically yep. at ASU, multiple times. You know, they had a showcase there again this summer, and I was at the one last summer. So there's already that pre-existing connection, you know, the the – I guess Arizona state and the the city somewhat would be aware that, you know, the XFL is around and it really wouldn't be a far move going from Las Vegas to Phoenix. You know, you still have um, the sort of desert climate, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. Again, it's, it's still West coast, I think is what I'm really getting at. So uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Phoenix would be a cool market. Um, definitely wouldn't be against them moving there. I, I know they already have the Cardinals, but again, I kind of think about like, you know, and, and this might be a bit off topic, but, like the Roughnecks, you know, they kind of filled a void, 
you know, not not so much in 2020 because the the Texans, the NFL team, were still all right then, um, or at least they were in 2019. Then you know, Roughnecks came early 2020. But now I feel like you know when I was at the Roughnecks games, you know there were a lot of people there that were Texans fans that were just kind of upset sure. with the state of their NFL team, and they just wanted an alternative. So I think about like you look at the Cardinals now, you know Arizona Cardinals there in, in Phoenix, they're kind of going through a rebuild. You know they might be yep. one of these teams that's that's picking you know within the top five, probably top three of the draft um, next year. So when you look at it like that, you know maybe there's a similar strategy there where hey, you know we want to bring another pro football team here. So, you know, Cardinals fans or, you know, football fans in this area in general have an alternative in case they're disappointed with the current state of the franchise they've been supporting for a long time now. And I mean, maybe that sounds bad to say, but the reality is, I, I mean, so. if you're, if you're competing league, you know, you gotta, you gotta capitalize on, you know, what yep. fans want and, and bring in a successful team. It'll be harder to sell. I think with the Vipers because they didn't have the same success, you know, this last season that, you know, because like the Roughnecks, I mean, you know, there was questions uh, in 2023 for sure. But like everyone knows what that team did in 2020. That was one of the best yep. spring football teams ever fielded. Um, so that was a bit easier to kind of, you know, come back into that market and just say, hey, we're here again. Um, but yeah, uh, ultimately, you know, I think Phoenix would be a great fit. Nashville, um, that one I'm not so sure about. That, that one I have a, a couple more questions as to, you know, what specific venue they're looking at. And um, I don't know. I mean, t- Tennessee, I think is you know, a, it's a good sports spot. You know, I think there's there's something to capitalize on there. There's a lot of people now that seem to be moving towards the direction of Tennessee. Like, yep. there seems to be this attraction there. Um, the Definitely. only concern I have like about the that, Denver. Yeah, right, right. The only concern I have about Nashville, though, is, um, <clears throat> you know, you're, you're taking a West Coast team and putting it in the East Coast, or, you know, at least the South. And, I mean, you look at a, a league like the USFL, the, the one thing that I've always – and I know the USFL isn't playing in their home markets yet, but the one thing that's always kind of bugged me is, you know, being a West Coast guy who now lives out in the South, it's nice to, you know, have football here and, and on the eastern side of, um, I guess, the Mississippi River is kind of the, the dividing line um, that we always talk about. But, you know, the USFL, like, they don't have any West Coast presence. You know, and if the XFL takes out a team – um, from the West Coast, you know, what what does that make things look like? Then you've kind of got Seattle just sitting over there and um, everything else, you know, is is pretty far away. So that makes it difficult. Um, I understand that the West, the West Coast is a harder market for football now, and you're seeing that across all different levels. I mean, look at what happened to the Pac-12. You know, that was sort of the, the longstanding, I think, you know, what many people viewed as the West Coast football conference and yep. that's all but dissolved now. I think they've got four teams left. And obviously, you know, those teams will probably <laughs> have to look at other options too. So, again, that's a separate conversation, you know, West Coast football and whatnot. And that's something I care a lot about. Again, being from California, which is a big football state historically. Um, but, you know, I think the XFL, if they want to move the team, you know, they, they definitely have options. There's definitely a lot of good markets on West Coast and East Coast. But, you have to be smart about it. And I think you brought that up earlier. You have to really think that through and you need to do it professionally. You already whiffed on this market. So don't whiff on another one type of thing. You kind of, even though a lot of it is going to feel rushed again, and you're going to feel like there's a sense of failure and disappointment. Um, you know, if you're just smart about it a second time, there's a lot of places they could go where I think they could succeed. Um, particularly maybe smaller markets. Um, I, I think the XFL has, they took they definitely took a couple swings not just in Vegas but I mean you know they went to a bunch of 
of uh, of larger cities um, and, and kind of experimented with that. Overall, I think it worked out um, okay given the the general spring football market. But um, yeah, I, I think if they go to a smaller market somewhere, it would be helpful. I talk about Phoenix. I don't know if that necessarily counts as small. Um, maybe it's smaller, definitely smaller than Vegas. Same with Nashville. Um, both of those are kind of growing, I think, in a, in a certain way. But yeah, man, ultimately, you know, whatever the XFL chooses to do next with the Vipers and, and however that goes, um, you know, I just hope they're smart about it as well. And I mean, they've, they've already made a lot of changes, you know, new coach, um, that team, either way, you know, even if they are still in Vegas somewhere, it's going to look a lot different next year. I think we can all agree on that. And that's what I'll leave it at. Yeah, I agree with you um, about the uh, catching the secondary market almost. Uh, you can kind of look at DC and you can see how successful they were. And, mm-hmm. and those fans were really pissed off at their franchise. And they came out in full force for, for their team yep. nonstop. I mean, filled 100%. that stadium up. And they had so, that again, they had that poll from 2020 as well. You know, people knew yep. about the defenders originally. And it was like I was talking about earlier with Houston. I mean, it's easier to go back into a market where you already were, but even if you're not like, even if you're going to a completely new market, I mean, people are hungry for football everywhere. I mean, that is the top sport in this country. No debate. I mean, the numbers prove that. And, you know, I mean, you can just go. So there's so many opportunities here. Um, again, logistically, there's a lot of things to sort out and I'm sure it will take the league um, some time. You know, if they plan on, I will say this uh, last thing about Vegas, you know, if they do plan on moving this team for 2024 instead of 2025, um, I do think that might cause some delays again with, you know, schedule releases and venues and, and things like that. Again, it might create another shift in the league that a lot of people, you know, might be mm, upset about. You know, I, I was definitely a bit disappointed that it took that long for me to get the schedule because, you know, I I went I was uh, traveling, you know, to, to all the yep. games and it was kind of hard to, you know, I was sitting there waiting, waiting, waiting. I thought, you know, like November came and went and then I was like, all right, it'll be out here in December. They have to put it out in December. And I thought it's going to be December, my Christmas, like, honestly. Yeah, and then <laughs> it didn't come until like after New Year. And by that point, I was like, geez, well, you know, now we're looking at like, I mean, it just felt like there was no time. So hopefully they can avoid that. Um, hopefully there's some sort of better transition there. Again, this is all very difficult. And I, I, I commend, you know, the XFL, not just PR people, but everyone that's kind of doing football ops. Um, cause that's, you know, that, that stuff logistically will take a toll, but, um, yeah, I mean, if they're going to move the team for 2024, I imagine that they're, they must already be in some discussions now. And, and perhaps those are deep discussions because I mean, it's, you know, it Friday, you know, we're recording this August 29th, it'll be September on Friday. Uh, so, so they really got to get the ball moving here if, if they want to make a, a, a quick change. And I mean, you know, I'm sure they've probably been thinking about this, not even, uh, since the start of the off season, but probably as the season was progressing too, because again there was that negative reception. So I'll leave it at that. But yeah, it's it's a a unique topic for sure. I think it's all been on our minds um, because it was the one market that kind of uh, stood out like a sore thumb, for lack of a better term, mostly because of the way it was handled, um, just an overall lack of preparation. But you know, I, I would hope I hope the best, and you know, I, I'm sure uh, I'm sure it'll all work out at the end of the day. Yes, sir. Agreed with you on that. I know there will be some disappointed fans, but people just want some consist- consistency and, and to be able to really depend on the league and, you know, get, get them to show us that, hey, we're serious. You're serious. We're ready to go. So I will say this about Nashville. I do think it'll be a decent spot. I know they have a, I believe it's a city soccer league going there now that's pretty successful. Uh, it's pretty 
it's trending. So there's a lot going on there too. Like you said, there's a lot of youth living there now. A lot of people have moved in working that way. So it would be a good market, but I'll tell you one thing in February, it is freezing cold in Nashville. It is still cold there and it's not spring football weather. If you're outside, uh, if you go to San Diego, San Diego though, you can bet that that's going to be some pretty beautiful weather that way. And that's just my two cents and I'll leave it at that myself. Right. Anyway, Let's move on, dude. Let's talk about some XFL to NFL recent cuts. So we've had some more come in today, uh, as, as you've seen also. My boys with the Saints are now waived. John Trey Kirkland, Jack Heflin, and Nico Lelos. Uh, so I just wanted to say that real quick. Uh, they're waived, so hopefully that means somebody will pick them up. <laughs> But some notable cuts that I really wanted to discuss were, was Jordan Tayamu and Abram Smith. Both seem like big names that might make it, as well as Ben DiNucci. I thought he was going to make it as well on the Broncos. Um, all three were waived. Don't, I say cut, but they were waived. So they will be able to be picked up by another team if they want. Uh, but, I mean, do you foresee any of these guys make it on a practice squad or a practice roster for this next season? I do. I definitely do. You know, the, the active roster stuff is an uphill battle. And I'll, I'll bring up the USFL here again, because last year, you know, the USFL was the only operational spring league in 2022. And, um, you know, they had a, a really good number of guys signed. I forget the exact number, although I, I look at it all the time, but I'm not good with math. So forgive me on that. But they had a, a very healthy number of guys signed to the NFL after their inaugural season. Um and out of that entire pool, only two guys made it, which was Cavante Turpin, who ended up being a Pro Bowler, which was extremely impressive. And, you know, hats off to him for that. But the other guy was uh, Micah Abernathy, who I think, you know, was like an initial 53 guy. You, got, you have to be careful with this 53 stuff because there's um, an initial roster that shifts over a couple days. So I think he was one of those guys that kind of got – caught in a limbo where he like made the initial 53 and whether it was from an injury or just <clears throat> a waiver claim or something like that uh you know he ended up being cut so really there was only one and it was Cavante Turpin again he was an extreme standout because he made the pro bowl as a, as a return specialist um but like right now you know funny enough here we are again a year later and the only guy we have from the XFL on an active roster right now is Dan Whelan uh, from the DC yep. defenders the punter and uh, that's another specialist. You know, I always say, um, or I've always said, you know, specialist, it's so important, you know, to play special teams if you want to get into the NFL. And, and particularly if you're actually playing a, a key specialist position, you know, punter, kicker, snapper, whatever, those guys always have a higher chance of making it. And you saw that in XFL 2020 as well. 2020 was a different time uh, with rosters because that was when they had just expanded practice squads. Uh, there was no preseason, so I think the evaluation might have been a, a bit different on that front, and perhaps that led to you know more XFL guys from 2020 getting on active rosters immediately, uh, whereas now you're not seeing that as much um, in spring football, really, from any league. Um, I think the USFL is two guys right now that made it past cuts. Um, but, I mean, it's a very low number. You know, I was expecting, you know, I – I think I said, you know, to, to people that I know well, I was like, well, hopefully there's four or five. And I thought I was lowballing it. You know, I thought we'd get like maybe Same. 10. Um, but it's a tough business, you know, and, and we're yeah. learning that. We, I feel like every time, you know, we reach cut down day in the NFL every year, we're just reminded of how tough of a business it really is. And um, especially for these guys that play spring football, um, you know, you, you'd think, 
I mean, this this is a bit of a complex discussion because there's a lot of people on Twitter going around saying, you know, they see their favorite uh, XFL, USFL player get cut, and they say, well, what's the point? You know, like why why even bother if you're just going to let him go? Like, you know, it's it's all a scam or, or whatever. And you know, the, the same thing's been happening a lot with um, you know, in the CFL, uh, Nathan Rourke, you know, got got cut by the Jags, and all the Canadians are kind of in an uproar about that. Um, you know, oh well, he looked so good in the preseason. Uh, the reality is, you know. Even if you look good in the preseason, you know, and you and you make big time plays, you know, there's certain the NFL will always be a numbers game. So even if guys, you know, the whole point of the preseason, I guess, is to you know make a good impression again, try and get on the final roster. The guys that are fighting for spots, you know, are trying to prove themselves in the preseason. But sometimes, even if they do, you know, quote unquote, prove themselves and they have uh, really good performances, I I think Nico Lelos. I mean, you want to talk about, um, you know, yeah. Uh, your Saints guy. I mean, he was phenomenal in the preseason. But the reality is, it's a numbers game. Like you look at uh, again, I'll just use Nicolas as the example here because he was a good player who got cut. You know, defensive line. Like the Saints have an uh, incredible defensive line depth. So even a guy like that, you know, who plays really well, sometimes it just comes down to familiarity. You know, we're going to take the vets who who have been there longer, and um, I think that's what a lot of people have to understand. Is you know, it's it's not. You, you can't really take it personally. You know, it sucks. I, I wish there was more um, guys that made it. And, you know, it, it's it's a tough blow when you, you see the transactions and you're like, oh, you know, this guy's gone, that guy's gone. But the good news here is, you know, a lot of these guys will end up back on practice squads. And, you know, that, that's sure. what time has always told us is, hey, you've been cut and you're not going to make the initial active roster but you can, if we really like you, you know, you stick on the practice squad for the entire duration of the season, have a chance to get elevated. A lot of guys do get elevated, too. You'd be surprised. You know, injuries are so common in the NFL, across uh, pro football in general. Um, you know, there is a need for guys to come up from, you know, the practice <clears throat> squad and perform well. You know, guys that are, you know, still learning a bit and things like that. Um so this isn't the end of the road. As much as we talk about this being a, a dreadful day where a lot of guys, you know, lose their jobs. Um, you know, I think for these spring football guys in particular, I mean, they, you know, th- this is just an opportunity for them to enhance uh, their time in the NFL. Because, like, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, the reality is I, I think there will be a good chunk. I mean, I I really don't want to put a number on it, but, you know, maybe upwards of, you know, 15 XFL guys that make practice squads, maybe something like that. I think the, I think the USFL had close to 20 last year. Again, not good with numbers. Don't quote me on any of this. But, you know, if these guys can return on practice squads, you know, and then you keep working, you know, they could get elevated and then they can make an impression. You know, nothing um, – the the NFL is uh, – what am I looking for? It's, it's a pretty – you know, it, it, it shifts all the time. You know, nothing's really set. I mean, we're again – just like we're talking about 53-man rosters being finalized. Now, well, nothing's really finalized. Again, you know, waivers go through tomorrow, and then you still have to set the practice squad. So there's still going to be a lot of movement um, in the next, you know, 24 hours from the time that we're recording this. And um, if anything, that gives me hope, you know, that there will be guys um, that, that can, you know, find new homes. And, and maybe some of them, you know, like, again, guys that were waived today, maybe a team puts in a claim, and then they do get on the active roster. So that'll exactly, you know, yeah. move, move the number up right away. Um, as opposed to, again, you know, sort of waiting things out on the practice squad, see who gets elevated week by week. Um, but, yeah, that, that's where I sit on that. Um, I think the uh, – I mean, again, we, we might have got a bit off topic, but I think the, the, no, the two guys you um, you brought up were Jordan Tamu and, and Abram Smith, uh, both for the Vikings. You know, I 
Um, I guess I'll start with Jordan Te'amu then. Uh, you know, Te'amu, I think, gets a lot. Well, he he was the one sort of XFL quarterback that made it. Let's put it that way. And um, he hasn't, you know, people, you know, he was in the USFL last year, um, but he didn't get an NFL shot after the USFL last year. So then he came, you know, to the XFL where he'd been in 2020. And, um, you know, again, slow start to the season there in D.C., but obviously the team was really good. He picked things up and then they, you know, went to the championship game. Unfortunately, they weren't able to win that. But, you know, I, I was honestly a bit surprised that Jordan Te'amu, uh, Te'amu excuse Excuse me, got another shot in the NFL. Um, the last time he was in the NFL prior to his stint with the Vikings was with the Carolina Panthers in 2021. And he's been with plenty of other teams, you know, yep. before that. Um, Texans, Chiefs, Lions, I think, are all on there. Um, so, yeah, you know, he's been around the block a couple times. Uh, Washington, too, uh, was the other one that he was on last season um, or two seasons ago, I guess. But, uh, yeah, you know, Jordan Tiano, um, you know, he's one of these guys where at this point I think he, you know, should really settle down in the spring football space. And I'm not saying, you know, he is not an NFL quarterback. You know, he shouldn't take that opportunity. But, you know, he's got a good thing going in spring leagues. Every spring league that he's played in, I mean, USFL was okay. But, you know, XFL 2020, XFL 2023, both of those went extremely well. You know, he proved a lot and he keeps finding himself back in the NFL. Like, Talmud, the reality is he's one of these guys where uh, he signed as an undrafted free agent with the Texans in 2019. Had these leagues not existed, you know, he might not have been around for much longer than that. But, you know, he still has had a livelihood to some extent. Again, maybe not actual playing time, but in camps and, you know, in workouts um, since then, again, with several other teams. So I think that's important. And he can the the point that I'll really get to here before we get into these other players that are on the list is a guy like Jordan Tiamu, because he's a quarterback, he's a leader and he can bring, you know, yeah, he got cut, whatever. Maybe he's back. Maybe he's not. But assuming he comes back to the XFL next season in 2024, he comes back to D.C., he can bring an entire NFL camp's worth of experience. And I think that's what a lot of people are going to overlook when we talk about all these cuts and, you know, disappointments and, and guys not going where we thought they would or, you know, latching on. The reality is if these guys can just go into NFL camp and, yeah, they get cut, it's unfortunate. But if they can go to NFL camp and get that experience and then bring it back to their XFL team, that will make the XFL team better. You know, that will make their position group better. That will make themselves as a player better. You know, the, even the coaches can probably learn something from that. So it, it kind of, you know, it sort of radiates an energy almost that I'm really excited to see uh, come 2024. Because we saw this, you know, I mean, again, I know this is an XFL podcast, but if we're talking about spring okay. football in general, I like to bring up the USFL as sort of a springboard because the USFL, again, they've had two seasons now, con- uh, you know, back-to-back XFLs only had one like you saw plenty of these guys where they played in the USFL in 2022 signed an NFL contract uh they were in the NFL for the 2022 preseason they got cut some of them you know latched on the practice squads others didn't um but a lot of them ended up going back to the USFL and with again a lot of them with the USFL team that they originally played for and to be honest like I think you know a lot of those teams got better because of that you know yeah like the I get it you know the stallions still won the championship again and everything it didn't look that different but I feel like in those locker rooms and in those sort of you know buildings whatever even on the field like all of that th- those little sort of things that you'll pick up in an NFL camp being around such high quality talent those things will pay off they'll go a long way you as the fan might not see that because the reality is that player is still going back to the same league where he started but 
I've been around a lot of football, man. I, I've talked to a lot of players. I've been around a lot of experienced individuals. And um, you can just kind of tell, you know, when guys have a certain level of knowledge. And um, I think, you know, with these NFL camp uh, invites and, and things like that, you know, sure, maybe the ultimate goal wasn't accomplished of getting the player, you know, into the NFL and have him playing NFL regular season snaps, at least not all of them. But just, again, bringing those guys back, I, I, I'm sure, like, I, I don't know, like, I'm sure there will be a couple guys like I'll use the Roughnecks as an example because that's the team I'm closely affiliated with. I'm sure I'll go back to Houston, you know, in February and you'll have, um, you know, the John Trey Kirklands and the, and the Jack Heflins and the Jack Snyders of the world back in Houston. And well, this is at least what I'd like to see, but this is kind of my prediction as well. Hopefully those guys will be back in Houston and you'll see sort of an elevated level of character, an elevated level of play yep. from them. And even if that doesn't net them another NFL contract afterwards, that creates a sustainability in these spring leagues where the football itself becomes better because there's so many times where, you know, the level of play, I think, in the XFL, USFL, it almost gets clowned on by a lot of people who don't know what they're talking exactly. about. You know, they see it on TV and they think, oh, this game's so slow. You know, these guys just aren't NFL caliber. But if they can get into a camp and then go back, like the league will become, you know, more watchable for the people who think it isn't. And for the people who already think it is, you know, it'll just be um, just, an, uh, again, an elevated level of, of performance and overall excitement. Um, so, yeah, I, I know that was a lot. Um, and we didn't even get to your second player that you want to say. <laughs> oh, it's all good, bro. Let, let me just say before we don't have to cover them all either. It's all right, good. Right. We can cover who we want. So no worries. But I mean, I, I agree with what you're saying full heartedly. I feel like we as fans and even unless you're experienced media, unless you've actually been in those training camps and, and practices and games, whether it's NFL, XFL, USFL, you don't realize the massive level of talent and the pool of talent that's available, especially amongst football players. And it's huge. And I think a lot of us don't get that. We get stuck on these same names. We get stuck on these same coaches, coordinations. We don't get the fact that, hey, there's another guy ready to move up that was playing in college last year that he's ready to take a spot. So, I mean, I, I agree with you on that, uh, just in terms of the full understanding of what's going on there and why they're actually cutting or waving these players. Now, I will say, too, uh, it – it, it did disappoint me that this many players were waived. I thought more would make it onto a, a squad, at least whether it be special teams or whatnot. So, I mean, with uh, with Dan making it and being the only player, I mean, that's congrats, man. He, he did it. He's showing them what's going on, and, and he beat that guy for his spot. So, yeah. I, I know one that really, really I wanted to talk to you about, and it just dropped a couple nights ago, was P.J. Walker. P.J. Walker for the Bears. Uh, they paid him out his two million and sent him on his way. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. and that's that. That was that. When I think 2020 XFL, that's the guy I think of. That's the name that we all probably think of for that that the, the, that time. Of Absolutely. Being I mean, do you foresee P.J. making it on another squad or a practice squad even? I do. Um, you know, I'll, I'll give my two cents on P.J. Walker. Uh, you know, the reality is, you know, PJ Walker, yes, he's sort of, I've always said he's the XFL poster child, his story about, you know, how he came to the XFL through, you know, he was like teammates with Andrew Luck. And then Andrew gave him the reference to his dad, Oliver Luck, who was obviously running the thing with McMahon back in 2020, you know, 
P.J. Walker was a practice squad guy for three straight seasons in Indianapolis before he played uh, with the Roughnecks in 2020 and lit it up. I mean, that was clearly his, you know, that was where he needed to be. That was everything you could have asked for. That was, and I don't have any hesitation saying this, some of the best pro football I've ever seen. Again, that a lot of that built, you know, my love and connection to this league that has now gone so far and that I've now been able to attach uh, to so many other different people, not just in football, but in life in general. Um, so that goes a long way. I think, you know, P.J. Walker has a special place in all of our hearts. Anybody that's an XFL fan, um, that guy really set a different standard. Um, so, you know, after that, then he went to Carolina. He reunited with his uh, his college coach, Matt Rule. Um, but this is where the reality starts to take a bit of a shift. And, um, you know, P.J. Walker just – he wasn't that great, you know, in the NFL with the Panthers. He had one really great throw last year to uh, – what's his name? Um, DJ Moore. Yep, DJ Moore that went viral. You know, that was the one – that was his best NFL moment, I think. But outside of that, you know, he had a pretty lackluster uh, touchdown-interception ratio. Um, not a very high completion percentage from what I remember either. Um, he's still very raw in some elements, and I think he always will be just because, you know, what the Roughnecks did in 2020 with that offense, it wasn't necessarily an NFL-style offense. So when he went to the Panthers, I think he had to make um, – quite a bit of adjustment again even though it was somewhat familiar with his college coach being there and everything it's the nfl it's a different game either way so now you know pj this offseason moved on uh to the bears it was pretty clear that um you know matt rule you know left the panthers he was i I, once that happened i knew pj was going to be gone one way or another i don't think the next regime was really interested in keeping him you know I, play might be one thing, but just the pre-existing connection was another. Um, so then he signs with the Bears. And um, at first, I thought that was a great landing spot. I thought, oh, he'll make the roster there for sure. He'll be the backup. Again, they gave him $2 million guaranteed. So that was a sign that they really liked him and they really wanted him there over, you know, because I'm sure there were probably other teams that were interested too, um, just given his now somewhat veteran experience, you could say. Um, you know, but then, and this is where the story gets interesting too, kind of takes another turn. Uh, Tyson Badgett uh, was a guy I really liked, um, you know, division two guy, Shepard uh, university um, quarterback. Uh, you know, he was at the senior bowl. Um, his story was well-documented. He was like the sort of the, the top sleeper prospect almost of this draft class. And I really liked him. Um, yeah, he's solid. Yep. And it was extremely surprising that he went uh, undrafted. I thought he was going to be one of those late seventh round guys. Um but he went undrafted, but then the Bears signed him. And the second the Bears signed him, I knew that was an immediate red flag. Um, and, I, you know, that was back like at the end of April, early May or whatever. So this has been a couple months now. But um, once I saw that, I knew um, I knew Tyson Badgett was probably going to get the spot. And a lot of other people did it. You know, a lot of the news um, lately has been sort of the, the Tyson Badgett Cinderella story about him, you know, being an undrafted Division II quarterback, uh, taking the backup job to Justin Fields. Um, yep. I don't know. I watched a lot of, you know, I was very interested in, in him as a prospect, watched, watched a good amount of the tape. Like I, I thought again, he was going to be drafted and he'd have a backup job without really having to compete. It didn't really turn out that way, but again, you know, he got the spot one way or another. So now he's there in Chicago. And, um, you know, the other thing too, it, it seemed like PJ maybe didn't get along with, with some people in Chicago. I think there might've been sort of a, a personal component there. Um, you know, he might've, it might just not have been what he envisioned or what the other side had envisioned. And it, it almost seemed like a, a mutual parting of ways, especially again with, with the guaranteed, you know, money, like someone, the team is going to take a bigger hit there. I'm sure PJ was happy to get the 2 million, you know, and whether he was going to be there or not great, you got 2 million in your pocket. That's fantastic. Yep. Um, 
but yeah, you know, it was uh, it, it was an unfortunate situation. Again, it, it looked like you know PJ was going to be the backup, no doubt, and then they brought in Tyson Badgett, and you know he he did way more in the preseason too. We just talked, we had a whole yeah. thing about how you know guys are competing for spots in the preseason. Um, he really earned his spot in the preseason. I mean, you know, I watched him play there, and like he just looked. You know, it, it just looked comfortable. It looked natural. Whereas for PJ, I think it was the opposite. Again, another transitional period for him, too. He was everything before this for him, even if he struggled at certain times, I'd say has been comfortable because he got to make the transition back into the NFL from the XFL with this old head coach. You know, there was familiarity. There was a sense of, you know, I will have a fair shot here. But then he went to Chicago and it was a completely new game. You know, people didn't really know who he was. They weren't really familiar with what he would bring to the table. And, um, you know, it just didn't work out. So uh, ultimately, I do think he will get back on a practice squad somewhere. Um, whether or not he'll actually play this season is, is hard to say. I think right now his outlook just with because, I mean, you know, teams quarterbacks, one of those positions where I think teams have to do further evaluations. And a lot of that's already set. You know, we'll see tomorrow. There's a couple guys on waivers that might get picked up and fill those. Um, I think right now there's 19 teams that only have um, two quarterbacks on the roster and the rest have, you know, three, which is. I think the number that a lot of people look for, you know, is three quarterbacks, um, even though two is, I think, becoming more common now, which sucks for a lot of guys. It's just way less spots. Uh, but I, I will do say, think ultimately, oh, the go Patriots ahead. only have one right now. So that may be a prospect. Yep. And you know, there you go. You yep. Like I was saying, um, you know, PJ Walker, like I, I kind of view him as like a practice squad guy, maybe elevated as like a QB three or backup quarterback if a starter gets hurt. But um, unfortunately, right now, his path to playing time, it, it just doesn't look the same as it has uh, in recent years. I mean, I, you know, I, I was even skeptical that he would play really at all again in the NFL, even after he signed in 2020, because, you know, Carolina, um, I think, I mean, they still had uh, I, I don't Sam know had, Darnold. Yeah, I mean, they kind of had a, a weird mix of guys that they were bringing in. I, I want to say, I mean, they even brought in Cam Newton at one point, too, uh, when he was there. Um, oh really? I didn't know he was there at that time. That... I think I think he was. <laughs> I think he was. Yeah. Again, it was a weird mix of quarterbacks, which is why I didn't know if PJ was going to play because it seemed like they had a lot of options that they wanted to test out. Um, you know, clearly that hasn't worked out uh, as well for them. You know, and now they have Bryce Young, so it's a you know new regime, new everything. They figured that out. Um, but yeah, you know the, the PJ Walker story continues. It will be interesting to see where he lands. And, you know, I think there's a lot of people out there that, you know, would love to see him come back to the XFL at some point. I mean, that's obviously a, a big pipe dream. And, you know, now that he's made NFL money, I'm not sure that he would do that, you know, and it's been so many years removed. I think it's less likely than a lot of people want to believe just being realistic here. Um, you know, but uh, Hey, I mean, I, you, you can dream, right. There's, there's been crazier things that have happened. Like, I mean, like roughnecks got rights to like Tavon Austin, like that, that blew a lot of people's minds, you know? And I mean, there were a lot of other uh, intriguing rights claims this off season too, where people thought, geez, like I, you know, haven't heard of that guy in a while or wow, you know, that guy has an opportunity uh, to come play in the XFL. So anything's possible. That's kind of the way I look at things now in, in the spring football world. So I'll, uh, I'll, I'll kind of end it. I'll end it there. <laughs> hey, that's a good take. And I appreciate that. We, we speak the same on that. And you knew I was going to ask you about him coming back to the XFL. I liked how you touched on that. A lot of people on the, on the Facebook world and, and Twitter as well. They're, they're really hoping for that, but I mean, it's not probable. The man's making money and then being professional, he's doing what he wants. Mm -hmm. now, who knows? You could have another AJ McCarron story where he just wants to play, but yeah, I don't know. 100%. He's been hustling for many years, 
and and getting to, to to a point he wants to be at. I mean, do you really see him going back down? Yeah. Right. I don't know. I mean, after I mean, you got to keep in mind it's been. I mean, if he's on a team to some extent this season, I mean, he already has. Like, you know, he's been in the NFL now since the XFL for like four seasons. I mean, if you count, you know, three seasons with the Panthers and then this offseason still with the Bears, then he might get something else after that. So, you know, that's a solid four seasons. Like it's, I mean, after, you know, even after like two seasons, it's kind of hard to go back down. And he's received enough playing time where I feel like, you know, he could probably, I'm not sure he's ready to walk away from football, but if he doesn't get another opportunity, I don't think his mind is immediately, you know, let's go back to the XFL and make something happen. I, you know, a lot of people I, I think want that. A lot of people, you know, would hope for that. And you know, deep down, there's a part of me that wants that as well. Um, I just don't really talk about it because, uh, you know, again, likelihood of that happening is is next to none. But I mean, again, it's it's fun to to flirt with those ideas. And you know, we we've seen some crazy things happen in these leagues already, like I just said. So you know, understood. A couple more points, and we'll move on from this. We don't have to talk about every player, but right. Yeah, I mean. We, we've definitely spent some time on it. Now, I had some comments from some people I'm going to flash in. Now, this is the XFL Insider Podcast, but Mad Chatter's asking about Magui. What do you think, man? I mean, yeah, you, Alex are you familiar with this uh, situation? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, he was the, the Stallions quarterback uh, last season. You know, had a very impressive run. Probably one of the greatest spring football quarterback performances we've seen besides the guy we've just been talking about, P.J. Walker. Um, he really excelled, but... To be honest, again, Alex Magoo is one of those guys where, like, you know, the the Packers drafted Sean Clifford from Penn State in the fifth round, which a lot of people thought was a bit early for him. Like, they really liked Sean Clifford, and they, you know, they named him the backup recently. So the second that happened, I was like, well, it just comes down to whether or not they want to keep a third quarterback on the active roster, and it doesn't look like that's going to happen. So, unfortunately for Alex Magoo, the numbers game uh, comes into play again. I know a lot of people will be upset by that but it is what it is man it's not again you can't take it personally you know it sucks like we all we all would hope for guys to just get on the active roster and go do their thing but um you know nfl has a limited number of slots for a reason and uh, that's why that's why these leagues are so important all these spring leagues that we're talking about it 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 all just kind of goes in a circle you know it's it's one big cycle where if a guy can't play here well then maybe he can come and play there you know so yeah uh alex mcgoo i don't know I, i think he will get another nfl shot somewhere maybe you know, practice squad for a bit. I, I don't know. His his outlook is interesting, but you know, for him, like he could easily come back to the Stallions next year. This isn't like a PJ Walker thing where he's been removed yep. for so long. Like, I mean, he was just playing there. It feels like, you know, I mean, literally what July. I mean, it wasn't that long ago, really. Game in July, like that's you know, yeah, it was. It was a couple long weeks ago. ago. Like, yeah, he could easily <laughs> just go back there if he wanted to. No problem. So that's uh, I think for the the people who are disappointed about you know Alex Magoo not making the roster, well, you could still see him play again. Um, in the USFL or maybe even the NFL, if that's a long shot. But again, with a guy like PJ Walker, that's a different story because he's so far removed from the XFL uh, in 2020. Understood, understood. Last name I want to cover before we move on, Ben DiNucci. Uh, A lot of people expected him to be with Denver. Uh, in, In my opinion, he probably will make it to the practice squad if somebody doesn't pick him up. But... The XFL world will love to see him back in his home place of Seattle. So what do you think of that yep. situation? Well, he was the other XFL quarterback, too, that made it besides Jordan Tiamu. And, you know, I I, I don't know. I, I kind of – I don't know why my mind skipped Anucci for a bit, probably because it's racing with all the information. But, um, mm-hmm. no, I mean, uh, Ben Danucci. look, it's the same thing as I just talked about with Alex Magoo. So Russell Wilson's your starter. 
the Broncos brought in Jared Stidham, who at one point was a fourth-round pick and was on the Patriots for a while and has, I think, more playing experience. Like, Danucci played one NFL game with the Cowboys. Like, Stidham has played a bit more of that when he was with the Patriots, and he was there for um, a longer amount of time as well. So, again, it's like, um, you know, they, they favored Jared Stidham as the backup. It just comes down to, do you want to keep that third guy or not? Denver said no. So... At least I think they said yeah. no. I'd have to double check that. I don't think they have a third quarterback though. I think it's just. I, I don't think they do either. Them. Yeah. Um, Sean but, Payton you know, knows what he's doing, so I, he I'm does. You know, in that. Again, it's it's an it's all a numbers game. Like I, yeah. I don't think like I still think yeah. Ben DiNucci, honestly, Ben DiNucci might have the best shot of sticking around in the NFL, like than a lot of these other guys at quarterback because he was drafted and he has game experience. So that that automatically helps right there. Um, but yeah, like you know, it, it just like certain coaching staffs and, and certain things like people will favor others more based on certain criteria. So even if a guy like Ben Danucci plays well or whatever, you know, and, and people sort of lean in his direction, well, you know, it is what it is. Like I'm, I'm sure he'll be back somewhere and he'll still have an opportunity to, you know, get NFL reps of some capacity, you know, practicing or, or whatever. Um, obviously the, the end goal is, is in game reps, but you can never guarantee that. Yes, sir. Agreed, agreed. I know a lot, a lot of folks were happy and sad about that one. Yeah. But they know, I mean, I I, I would love to see Danucci back. He was a, a solid leader for that team there. Mm-hmm. Once again, people didn't like him because he, he had a mouth on him. He liked to talk, but I mean, he, he yeah, led but his he, team you know, to victory. He, he was good publicity. He was really good yep. publicity because people yep. like Ben Danucci was kind of a, you know, he has a, a certain it's, it's his persona. People know who he is because he kind of has a brand around his name. You know, yes, he wasn't, you know, an NFL great or anything like that. He wasn't an AJ McCarron where he was out, you know, on the biggest stage at all times. But, you know, he has a certain demeanor about him that works well when it comes to, you know, sort of building a following and, and building it, you know, because not every not every player carries that. There's a lot of players that are just, you know, quiet. And, yeah, maybe they play well. But at the end of the day, like they're just there to play football. Um, I don't think Ben Danucci is one of those guys. He's got multiple different things going on. So, um, yeah, I, I, I would be open to, you know, Ben Danucci coming back. I think that would be great. Um, particularly because, you know, the Sea Dragons don't I – mean, if you look at their quarterback situation right now, they've got um, – I think it's Steven Montez and Harrison Frost, and, and both of those guys are extremely unproven. So I'm sure they're probably hoping for him to come back, if anything. Same with Jordan Tiamu. You know, I mean, Derek King, like, we'll, we'll see. He's coaching right now at uh, at SMU, I think. But, you know, he could he could start, right? I mean, I, I think they'd be a bit more comfortable with that. But I don't know. That's, that's just all talk. <laughs> Understood. As we move forward, are there any other players that you are watching or or, or expecting to to make it or not make it? I mean, there there's a couple guys I'll, I'll briefly talk about for the sake of time because we've been on this for a while now, and I know we're ready to move on. But uh, you've got a couple guys here that I'll touch on briefly. Abram Smith, um, you know, he was the number one overall pick uh, for, for DC, and obviously you know, had an an outstanding season with them, um, you know, leading the XFL and rushing and and everything like that. Um, He was a, he was a great player. Um, Unfortunately, you know, like I think the Vikings, it's, it's a numbers game. I I just, I can't say anything other than that. It's a numbers game. I I would expect him to be a practice squad guy though. um, Hopefully. Um, I don't know. That's, that's on the fence as well. Like he, it might not be in Minnesota. I I don't know. Um, Jacquez Patrick, uh, that's an interesting one because Jacquez Patrick, you know, since his time in the XFL has already been with two teams, not one. You know, a lot of these guys we're talking about have had their entire offseason with uh, with a single organization. Um, Jacquez Patrick has been with 
too. He was with the Broncos first, so he was there with Danucci, um, the other XFL guy there in camp. And, um, you know, then he, uh, uh, you know, then he got cut and then he went to Tennessee. And, um, you know, Tennessee right now, they've got, I don't know, I was somewhat surprised that they didn't keep him because right now they only have three running backs and one of them is a rookie and the other guy, Julius Chestnut, is kind of unproven. Like besides Derrick Henry, there's not a ton of depth. I know like the guy that they drafted, the rookie, Tajay Spears, I had a chance to watch him at Tulane. He's phenomenal. So that's, uh, you know, it's going to be hard to get playing time behind him and Henry either way. Um, but, you know, like the the Chargers, I think, were a team that kept four running backs and one of their guys was an undrafted rookie, Elijah Dotson. So, again, certain teams just look at it a certain way and, you know, um, I think Jacquez, like he's been, he's one of these guys where he's practically an NFL journeyman at this point, you know, and he's, he was in the original XFL in 2020. I mean, he's been around so many times, but he's still, you know, I think he turns 27 at the start of next year prior to the the next XFL season. So he's still pretty young, you know, and I, I know running back is a position where they, they definitely value age more than a lot of things. So um, that might, uh, that might be a good sign for him. The fact that he's still 26 years old, um, a lot of these guys, just like you know, Tom was only twenty five or twenty six, and, and it feels like he's been around for a long time now. So, Agreed. other than that, though, <laughs> um, you know, I, I think all the roughnecks guys, I, I wish you know the best of luck to more than anybody. Like, um, you know, <laughs> well, I was surprised. Like some of the Saints guys, like I know Nico Lelos was on the Sea Dragons, but he was honestly one of the most impressive. And I wasn't expecting it at all, but he had one of the most impressive preseasons um, from any of the XFL guys that I saw. And then obviously the other big one is uh, is John Trey Kirkland. He had, you know, he played really well in the preseason with Arizona last year and had another good preseason this year with the Saints. I mean, I was just watching him on on Sunday in their final game. They closed out uh, the preseason against the Texans. So he was getting a lot of snaps, which was a sign sometimes in, in your last preseason game that you really are playing for a spot. But, um, you know. The Saints had an interesting uh, sort of receiver room, and I'm not sure if I agree with all their decisions on that front. I'd have to – I got to go over all these rosters, you know, later in the week and, and figure out, you know, exactly where everybody's at. Again, I'm kind of waiting for the waiver claims to go through. And, you know, again, they, they say initial 53-man roster not finalized because, you know, nothing's really finalized until the games are played, in my opinion, or at least they won't be uh, finalized until the end of the week. But, um, yeah, other than that, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I think – you know, until these practice squads, you know, sort of get put together. Um, I don't really have too much of an opinion on other specific players other than, again, the ones Understood. that you put down on that list. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I'll say Nico. I mean, he was showing out even in training camp. When I mm-hmm. went there, eight high energy, flying around, really showing out for a spot. So, I mean, I hope he makes the practice squad, honestly. Both of those guys – Heflin, I mean, I didn't see much from him, but I think he just didn't get as much time. He didn't get the opportunity like that. Yeah, he had lower snap counts, I think, than anybody in that group. Yeah, no doubt. But we will move on from that. Sorry we took so long. (laughs) It's been an hour. We'll try to wrap this up within 20 minutes. Yeah, we're Um, we're still going, man. This This is good. All right, let's roll on. Let's talk about the supplemental showcases that are coming up. October 7th in Orlando, Florida, and then October 21st in San Diego, California. Great locations for both of these, I feel like. Orlando's got a really solid uh, fan engagement experience. They do a really good job at, at keeping their fans engaged and doing events and giving giving things away. And, I mean, 
conferences. They've done all kinds of stuff. If you if you see it on Twitter, a lot of good stuff coming that way. So great they did that there. Uh, do you know? I try. I was trying to find a rough estimate. Do we have any idea how many people will be in attendance for these? Do they have any kind of projected numbers anywhere? I couldn't find any. Um, not that I was really looking for them. Uh, I don't know. A lot of these events are. I don't want to say hastily put together, but, you know, sometimes like certain guys will come, others won't, you know, I, I would expect, you know, because I mean, they take, they take the showcases pretty seriously more than anything. So I would expect a good turnout. Um, it's hard to say. I think it's, I don't know, from both the player side and like the personnel side, like, I don't know how, how many people will be there total. Cause you know, they, they had a pretty good turnout at all their showcases, but I mean, I've seen times where, you know, you have, too many players for the amount of evaluators on site or sometimes it's the other way around i mean well it's rarely the other way around but it is a possibility so i don't know it'll be interesting though to, to follow along i mean i i'm all for these showcases man the fact that you know i think it's so important for a league like this to you know keep sort of things afloat in the off season and not just kind of disappearing and going quiet and having these events and really publicizing them like i thought it was great what they did you know they, they live streamed the xfl combine um, in July and everything sure. like that. I thought that was fantastic. You know, you just talked about engagement. I mean, that checks uh, a pretty good engagement box, I'd say. Um, yeah, so, you know, things job. like that. Yeah, things like that are just are, are really important um, overall. You know, I mean, yeah, it, it's great for the players, you know, for them to get extra looks. And, you know, the XFL is, is really cycling through a lot of people, which is good to see. They're, they're living up to that League of Opportunity name. It's, it's not just some gimmick. But at the same time, you know, it's good for people like us, you know, to just when it, when it comes to content – and things like that, you know, to have something, you know, that's actually like a, a physical product, like a showcase, you know, in, in this um, in this case, uh, you know, something like that, just just to keep things going. It's it's really nice to see the league doing that. And I feel like, you know, they, they did a good job, like they did a good job with the ramp up last season leading into, you know, the inaugural 2023 campaign. But now, like, I think there were some questions, you know, like, the championship game ended and then everyone was like, okay, now what? Like we know there's going to be some guys signing the NFL. Uh, they, they knew that they wanted to do the showcases again, but they were very quick with sort of laying out a plan. Like, Hey, like we're going to have this and this, and we're going to have the combine. And they announced all these other drafts, which I think, um, you know, were unexpected to a degree. They've had a lot of drafts, a lot of rights claims. I mean, they have just, you know, again, personnel wise, especially they have not stopped working at all. Uh, so it, it was um, again, it, it's, good to see this continuously happening you know the league is really putting their foot down when it comes to you know their time in the offseason because it's a really long offseason you know uh, a spring football league unlike other leagues it's not like the MLB or the NBA where you're playing you know close to 100 games or more than that like you know spring football is it's like 10 weeks you know 12 weeks with playoffs and then you've got like nine months to just fill in and do whatever so you know there's a really long time like that for a lot of people you know would be a very concerning dead period but I don't know like XFL season ended in May, and I've I've felt just as connected to it through like from then to now as I was during the season. You know, maybe a tiny bit less because there's no actual games, but otherwise, I mean, I think it's been fantastic. Yeah, I was quite worried myself because we had just an audio only show there last year during the season, and I was very concerned about what I'd be talking about. I didn't even know if I was going to do a show just because I thought, hey, I'll just wait until the season pops back around so it's easy talking points, but. They've given us plenty of stuff to talk about and, and spread the word. So 
I agree with you. I think it's really good what they're doing. And then now that's another thing I wanted to ask you about. So these players will be evaluated for the XFL supplemental draft that happens in January. Originally, we were supposed to have another draft in October, correct? Or, or maybe December. I couldn't remember, but uh, I know I was looking at some reports, podcasts and such, and I, I could have swore that they said there'd be another draft. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was it was meant to be in October, but it sounds like that draft is going to be for guys. Um, and don't quote me on this because I'm I'm going off the top of my head too. But it sounds like it's going to be for guys, you know, that, that were like you know NFL cuts, which is now you know beginning of September. Um, Understood. You know, and then I, I guess this um, supplemental draft that they're having in January for these um, showcases is similar to you know all these sort of assigned rights and these little drafts that they've been having um, for players that come to these next two showcases in October. And um, just to touch real quickly on uh, what you brought up initially with the locations. Um, yeah, I think Orlando's a great one. You know, Florida is a great football market and um, you know, San Diego, we, we keep talking about San Diego to, to some capacity connecting it to the XFL. They had the specialist uh, showcase um, in October last year in San Diego um, for the XFL because Nick Novak runs the kicking camp down there. So it's a big, um, very big area for specialists. A lot of guys live in the area just because they train there a lot. Weather's good. You know, you've got Nick Novak and John Carney. Uh, you know, shout out to those guys down there back home. Um, you know, they they're kind of running all the specialist stuff down there. And you know, Novak has ties with the XFL personnel department because he you know he played there. Um, he played in the XFL in 2020, and now you know he he does. Um, you know, I think he I think he works for them now. Like he's in some sort of you know direct like. Uh, I, I guess it's you know his responsibility to run these showcases for the league, um, or at least the at least the specialist one was. I, I don't know. I'm it's kind of off topic, but uh, You're good. no. I mean, you know, I, I think both of those locations are, are are really good. You've got one on the west coast, one on the east coast. So again, you're spreading it out. You know, you don't have to get exactly. guys to come in from so far away. And you know, it was it, it's been nice to see the XFL really localize. Um, you know, some of their again content like i think about going back to last year like with their showcases initially they had the, the the two ones that were just fascinating not just to people in this space but i think to a lot of um other people who don't follow the league like the, the hbcu one in jackson state where they met up with uh Deion sanders and everything that one was fascinating and they had they got a good number of guys you know from that showcase to play like i know um bryson Aline and uh, justin smith you know both in houston yep. like those guys came from the uh, hbcu showcase so there's that, and then there's also um, the, the Hawaii showcase. I thought was fascinating too, and I think that's where Cole McDonald was, you know, because he played at Hawaii, and I think that's where they found him. Um, again, they really branched out and they're continuing to branch out. I mean, I don't know, Orlando and San Diego aren't maybe as exotic as Jackson, Mississippi, and Honolulu, Hawaii, but you know, <laughs> it's 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 still something. Like again, there's still uh, you, you can definitely tell that there's been some thought put into this, and you know, m- maybe Orlando too was chosen again because of how. I mean, they've done such a good job with promoting. I think maybe more than any other team, you know, their guy, uh, Corey, um, you know, who Great does the guy. tickets yeah. and stuff. I mean, he – that guy deserves – any raise you can throw at him. I mean, he is a great promoter. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll use this quick minute to give him a shout-out because he, he never gets enough credit, I feel like. Maybe because, again, Agreed. Orlando, it's a it, – they didn't have – they didn't have great attendance last year. You know, it's a, a smaller market compared to what some of the other um, teams have. And ultimately, they just they, – they weren't that great last year. So, so all those things kind of come into play. But Corey, like, that guy just works and works and works. I don't think any of that matters to him. Like, he just – 
you know, wants to get the name out there, wants to push the brand. He wants to do everything for the fans that are willing to, to come and, and commit their time to the, the game and the league and all that. So, you know, having a guy like that in the XFL, having more people like that uh, in the XFL, I think is extremely crucial to see more of this stuff happen. And again, just to generate more, we talk about this long off season and all these showcases that are having to, to sort of build momentum and hype for the people that follow the league to have something to talk about. You know, the more people you can have on the inside that can um, that can set that up and, and promote properly. I mean, that's so key for this sort of niche market that we work in, which is spring football. Um, that can't be overlooked. You know, I think that um, I think all around that's just that's just good. Yeah, I agree with you. He's he's very hands on. So we see a lot of social media stuff from the XFL mm-hmm. admins or however they call themselves. Yep. But even in the offseason, he, it's yeah, yeah. I mean, but he's actually taking pictures and at events with fans and doing these things. Now we see, I've seen some other things amongst uh, fundraising and such, but in terms of just like ticket sales, like dude is killing it. And he, whether it be setting up at events and talking, I think I saw one post a couple months ago where it big rainstorm and he had a group of fans under his tent. <laughs> he was selling tickets for, uh, and he was like, you can bet I told them all about season tickets and their time while their time was here. So <laughs> yeah. I've been trying to get him on for an interview, waiting for Andy to make that happen. I've emailed him a few times just waiting. Um, but yeah, I, I think he's great, too, dude. I'm glad you said his name because it's not just me noticing those things. It's it's everybody. And, yeah, I mean, I figured while we were on the topic of Orlando and them having the showcase, like, why not talk about guys that have done a good job with the Guardians since that's their team? You know, that's the, that's the market. Agreed, agreed. Yeah, I think they got some good things going, regardless of win or loss record. And as long as there's not any controversy amongst coaching or players, they should they should have a decent year this next year in terms of just fans being engaged. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think yeah. they're bought in. I, I've liked you know I've liked what Terrell Buckley has kind of done in the offseason. He's very honest with himself. He understands that they need to improve, but he's sort yep. of. He seems to be taking all the right steps so far to, to make sure that next season, you know, won't be um, as rough and there won't be as many questions. So, again, I, I think it's good that, you know, the XFL is sort of like giving the showcase to Orlando and being like, well, you know, just to sort of reassure some some confidence, you know, and and they're still invested in that market. That's what you can tell. It's it's a bit of a different situation compared to what's going on in Vegas, where we literally had a whole conversation uh, at the top of the show about how they're probably looking to move out of there. And um, again, not because Vegas is a bad market. They just didn't uh, necessarily execute that correctly, I think, on all fronts. But we've we've already covered that bridge. So, Yeah, and I'll say, too, before we get off the bridge again, <laughs> I mean, this is an investment. Everybody's got a piece of the pie, and we don't know fully whose money is involved, but we know that those investors have to be happy. And, and clearly what happened in Vegas was not good. So... Yeah, yeah, we'll see what happens, but I think there is some changes afloat. I like just Coach Blevins already. I think he's a, a great uh, figurehead for that team. Yep. He he can really lead them where they need to go, and he's got yep, experience in many many different things. And anything I see is positive. So, but anyway, bro, let's move on. I think we're finally done with some XFL updates and news. It's been pretty lengthy this week. I, last podcast was the twenty first, so. I didn't really expect that much stuff to occur, but like we just said, here we are, keeping it relevant. There you go. Let's talk about you now, brother. I want to get to know you a little bit. And I know as I tried to research you, I always try to research folks before I interview them just to get to know a little bit more about you, your background. There's not much out about you in terms of personal 
You know, I, I see plenty right. of football athletic experience, professional athletic experience, but uh, personally, I mean, really just want to get to know more about you, man. Um, you've got some unique positions. You have unique relationships with players. That, that I'll say before we get started, I'll say that's what I noticed about you first and foremost was your relationship with players and coaches and how you develop those relationships. And I mean, y'all were judging from my view, you were friends. You had a lot of friends. You had a lot of different associates. You had a lot of different people that, you know, that they knew you weren't there just to be a media person. You were there to actually care. You you were there to, to, to be that, that person for them. And so I want to say that that's really shaped my um, approach to, to dealing with athletes and coaches and personnel amongst the leagues. I mean, I didn't have the media background when I come in, but, you know, just from watching you, I learned a lot. So appreciate you, man. I, it, I just want to say that's a lot of respect to how you handle yourself as a media person. You could take a lot of these bad points and a lot of these talking points that you hear and you could run with them. And I see clearly you don't do that. You're, you're positive. You're, you're uh, detailed you give solutions and, and you tell the full story. So just want to say that. Uh, but yeah, tell us more about your background, man. Tell us what age did you start with sports media? What age did you start, you know, showing an interest in, in this, this stuff and what brought you here? Yeah, man. Well, j just quickly before I jump too deeply into my, my full background, cause that's going to be really fun. This, this is the part I've been looking forward to, but just to briefly touch on what you brought up about sort of, you know, player and coach relationships and everything that you've just commended me for, which, you know, thanks again. I, I, I really do appreciate all the, all the kind words and everything, but you know, man, what, what I learned was, you know, in a league like this where people are just trying to get general information and there's a lot of unknowns and there's a lot of uncertainty, you know, you really have to be positive because, you know, there's, there's certain things that are in such a vulnerable position, if that makes sense. You know, like a lot of the, like, you know, I, I could go out there and be like, oh, well, this player, you know, sucks, isn't great, whatever. But I'm never going to do that. Same with coaches, because like a lot of these guys, you know, they're learning too. You know, we're all sort of in a new, as much as it might not seem like it initially, you know, we're all on the same boat. We're all still learning things. You know, we're all just trying to figure things out. Like it's it's all new. You know, there's a, a certain element to it where we really are connected on the same level. And I always want to, Again, I, I like to make things personal. You know, it feels a lot more comfortable when you make things personal. So, you know, yeah, I'm a media guy, but I really do care. And, and you're totally right, man. I think a lot of people, you know, within the XFL and other places have realized that, you know, on the Roughnecks, like, you know, doing all that stuff. I, I think, you know, people, I was able to gravitate towards people because I used my existing expertise and knowledge of the game and certain guys' backgrounds like that. I mean, that's just how you establish connections. You know, I really wanted to make it personal I didn't want to just be you know some random guy that, that would turn up and and you know just try and put on an act like I you know this was my life man like I <laughs> I spent so much time and, and money and effort going out there and doing that stuff and I fully intend to do it again you know because it's it's probably going to be even better this time than it was last time like I just see the trajectory it, it keeps going upward um so yeah man ultimately you know it was really it was really cool to, to develop those relationships. And I wasn't sure if it was going to happen as much as you, again, praised me and, you know, kind of used me as a role model. There was uncertainty on my end, too. I don't know how guys are going to, you know, respond to me being there. And at the end of the day, like, I really am just some guy. You know, I'm not terribly special. I'm a, you know, 19 going on 20-year-old college student, so I'm young. But, you know, I, I'm for lack of a better term, yeah, I'm just some kid, you know, walking around out there. But it's, it's what you um, – 
it's what you make it like i you know yeah i could be just the kid walking around out there hanging out but i you know i put in again the time and everything and and just you know really i cared that much to where i could really elevate it and that's gone a long way you know that for me personally you know i'm again very fortunate to have those relationships with people and that people can you know feel comfortable around me um you know but it it just goes it's so much further beyond that like i i, I won't get too deep into that because i've got a whole you know background to tell um before all this even happened but um you know i think uh you know just in everyday life like being able to to talk to people that you don't know as well and and to just try and find common ground that that's a a thing a lot of society struggles with nowadays so you know i i try and you know again just just finding things that i can agree on with with somebody and you know finding things that we like like i i think if we're doing xfl stuff we all have a passion for football so let's just start there and see where it goes and you know that opened up a lot of routes and avenues and different directions and I always like to say um you know you're connecting a lot of dots uh in that process but um yeah man uh I I think that's it when it comes to you know sort of my take on you know why it's important to have personal relationships if you can with with certain players and coaches and you know people that you're I'd say working with not for almost because these guys really do care about um you know, how they're represented. And um, like my job, again, things like this are important, you know, even if they don't seem important all the time. And you have to remind yourself of that um, on a constant basis. Because again, we're working in a very niche market. I've said that. Um, I've said that a couple times now. But again, like it, it's hard to make a statement and, and make a claim because, you know, a lot of people don't know what you're talking about. So again, guys respect that. And, you know, it, it only makes me look forward to 2024 more knowing that those same people, a lot of them are going to be back and, you know, we, we can just continue to grow things that we've already laid the foundation for. Understood. You feel like, I mean, it, it's really helped your, your ability to gather information, correct? I mean, you oh, yeah. going oh, through, you're not looked at as, as a hostile source. You're looked at as someone that you can be confided in. And I know from my experience, it seems like before those guys get to know you and before people get to know who you are, they kind of look at you like, um, are you the enemy? Are you here to just talk bad? Are you here to gather stuff that's not good? I mean, so that's, do you feel it's helped you? Oh, 100%. I mean, when it comes to, uh, you know, data and everything like that and just knowing where guys are, I mean, that plays a lot into what I do now, which is player personnel. And that's probably what we'll um, wrap the show up with in a bit. But yeah, man, 100%. I mean, you know, the more the more people you talk to and the more things that you talk to them about, again, you just start connecting all these dots. And then suddenly you just have this network and everything kind of aligns. And I mean, I, you know, every day I kind of think about how crazy that is. And just like, you know, Every time I talk to people about subjects like this, you know, specifically whether it's XFL or football in general, or there's a couple other things, people just say, wow, man, like, you know, a lot, you know, how do you know that stuff? And I'm like, well, I just kind of, you know, some of it's perfecting your craft. The other part's just passion. You know, it's just not really, Mm -hmm. sometimes I don't even intend to know that much information. But again, if you're just sitting there talking to people, something might come up and you might be like, oh, you know, I, I know this and that. And then. That, that's just how you you make a good impression. And again, the, the bottom line is everything I try and do, I, I try and be positive. I, I try and take negative situations and make them seem positive. There are some things that you can't sugarcoat. You know, th- there are some things that are just unfortunate. But uh, everything that I try and do, again, my, my job is not to you know cause controversy. My job is to, to sort of paint the right picture and to, you know, put a spotlight on things that otherwise would not be seen 
to a large chunk of the public eye, if that makes sense. That's the best way I can put it. It might not be spot on, but I, I think that's what I'm trying to do right now. <laughs> that makes sense. And, you know, one of the questions, like I said, it, it, what's what's the favorite aspect of your career? I mean, that's one of the ones down the line, but sounds like you just told me what, what it is, honestly. And it sounds like it's those interpersonal connections. It's those relationships. Yep, it's, yep you nailed that. We, yep. <laughs> yeah. So I guess we got that question out of the way. <laughs> yeah. Well, let, let me get into my general background because I kind of put yes, that, sir, off, let's that question go. off initially. I've got, you're good, uh, man. It's it's all good. You, you Like I always tell people when you're a guest, you got the floor. We can switch. We can roll. We, it's yeah. all good. This isn't a, a strict yeah. schedule. Yeah. So I'll, I'll kind of get in, you know, I'll give a bit of background, um, try and put this together in the best way I can. Uh, in front of an audience because um, I, I, I've i always explained this story in chunks, but I think to a lot of people, you know, things get mixed up and, you know, I'll, I'll try and keep it condensed again for time's sake. But um, this all kind of started this whole, um, I mean, all football, but even football in general, like I wasn't really a huge NFL fan until, again, I'm young, right? I'm 19 going on 20. So keep in mind, you know, all this stuff might sound extremely recent for people who are older that are watching but for me some of this stuff feels like a third of a lifetime ago and it is so just keep that in mind while i'm explaining everything <laughs> but uh, i wasn't really an nfl fan or you know football fan college football whatever probably not until like i don't really think i watched nfl games on a regular basis until like 2017 i think that was uh i think i was eighth grade was when i really started getting into it and um you know i'd been to a couple nfl training camps things like that and you know there was just a cool vibe you know, something in the back of my mind told me, like, I want to have a, a larger role um, in this thing. I, I didn't, again, I was so young at the time, I couldn't even really comprehend what that meant. But I always kept it in the back of my mind, and it was always of an interest. So uh, 2019 rolls around, um, AAF. Uh, that was my first um, specific alt football experience. We had the San Diego Fleet, you know, that that to me meant a lot personally because again I grew up in San Diego. We had the Chargers taken away from us. Um, not that I, again I, I wasn't really a big Chargers fan growing up. I wasn't really a football fan then, so it didn't matter as much to me. But because I was getting into football at that time, you know, it was nice to kind of have a local team to root for. So the AAF brought football back to San Diego. I unfortunately never got to go to a fleet game because again there was only so many home games. The season got cut yep. short. We all know what happened to the AAF. I'm not going to go into that. Um, sad days, really, sad days. Makes me sad it was. too. But but the AAF was really that. That was where I started feeling even more connected. I had been an NFL fan, kind of a casual, but I watched a good chunk of the AAF games, and I thought there's something here. Again, I couldn't quite put my finger on it, but there's something here. It's cool. It's alternate of all things. You know, it's just like this is something that could be built. This is a product that I saw. That was my freshman year of high school. You know, it was like AAF started what? February 2019. I was in my freshman year of high school and I thought like this is cool. I'm like we can like there's something here that I want to build on. And I'm still a bit young. I still don't really have much experience or even like the sort of process to like put it all together, but I like the AAF. There was a lot of cool things that that league brought and I was like I know something like this in the future, you know, could be even more successful. So flash forward another year, we get to XFL 2020. Um, again, I, I was still, that was my sophomore year of high school, right before COVID. And, um, you know, I was still inexperienced at the time, but I knew I was going to watch the XFL. I heard that league was coming out. I knew even after the AAF, like there was already talks of the XFL happening. And that's when they started, you know, ramping up some of their stuff. So 
I watched the XFL in 2020, and that's where things really got serious because keep in mind, I was a fan of the AF in 2019, but I was very casual. I didn't watch every game. I just thought it was a cool concept or idea. Um, you know, things really got serious in 2020 with the XFL because even though that was shorter, that was five weeks instead of eight, whatever the AF was, um, you know, those five weeks like that, if I wasn't sold before, like the AF told me that there was something there, I think I started putting together all the puzzle pieces when I saw the XFL in 2020 because that to me was like the again it, that felt way better than the AAF. It felt more complete. I was like, okay, so that idea Agreed. I had of something cool as a freshman in high school has now played out a year later, but in better fashion. So my belief in a way came true. I was always saying like these leagues are cool. You need to watch them. This is a viable product. And then it got proved to me again with XFL 20. 20. So I remember, of course, well, we all remember, you know, the, the PJ Walkers, the Cam Phillips, you know, I mean, there was so much around that, um, just so much hype. Like, I, I just remember being at home. I think I watched, uh, I think the first XFL game I ever watched was uh, Roughnecks Wildcats in LA. It was week one. I remember being on my couch watching that. I was super excited. I was seeing like James Butler. Um, there was a ton of other guys there. I, I watched highlights of that game a lot just because it's, you know, it's memories now, but it brings me back to a time again, like where all this started. You got to have that origin story. So, watched the XFL through 2020. I was very disappointed when it got cut short due to COVID, but at the same time, there was so much going on. Everything got cut short due to COVID. So, you know, yeah, like it wasn't the most important thing on my mind. Like school had just shut down. You know, I was at home. Like life had completely changed. Um, you know, between from the time, really, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I guess even before the AAF started, but from when um, the time the AAF started to when the XFL started, so that, you know, beginning of 2019 to beginning of 2020, um, I was having some health issues that, that unfortunately, you know, took a a bad turn, I guess, in between those, those two leagues. So having the XFL in 2020, it was one thing, you know, just to see, um, like, building off of AAF 2019, like I've kept talking about, but it was one thing to have that league to lean on, you know, cause I was, I was so invested in it. Um, yeah, I was still a fan at the time. Again, we'll get into the media stuff here in a minute, but, uh, you know, um, I just, uh, I don't know. It was nice to have that league to lean on during tough times. And I could say that about the NFL. I could say that about a lot of things too, but, um, things didn't immediately get better after that. Cause of course, you know, I don't know. COVID was COVID. Uh, I think we all had our own experiences there. I think a lot of us were at home trying to figure out what we were going to do with life. Um, you know, XFL shut down and then I didn't go to school. So just to give you a timeline, you know, I was out of school from March 2020. I didn't go back until um, the beginning of my senior year of high school, which was August or September of 2021. So it was like a solid wow. year and a half that I was just doing Zoom. And, you know, you, you can imagine how much... Um, of a toll so you were in California yeah this is so in San Diego yeah so you were um, locked down locked down hardcore that way right so we I mean we didn't have a lot and again my health sucked at the time so I was just in a bad spot like Sorry that, to hear that. <clears throat> I mean it, it is what it is well uh, I can maybe get back into that more in a bit but ultimately you know I had from that that whole like 2020 I don't know I I started you know while I was sort of in a dark place I guess in 2020 and we were all locked down and we had nothing to do i started doing what we're doing now podcasting i had a little podcast going uh, nothing serious i wasn't really paying for it or anything i was just kind of you know sitting there with a the mic rambling on about nfl stuff i wasn't even focused on alt league stuff back then it was primarily uh, nfl um just sort of what i thought teams and players were doing 
um basic stuff you know i was uh, i was going into my junior year of high school i was like whatever i was 16 or something at the time um i was like let's just try this and see how it goes so things got i think a bit more serious at the end of 2020 um because that's when i started doing interviews so i had this podcast i had this thing going but i was like i want to elevate this and take it to the next level but i knew that it was going to be complicated to get you know talk to guys like in the nfl i was like well that's going to be really hard so what else can we do? We can maybe do college football, but that's also kind of difficult to some extent unless the players are, you know, lower tier, which I've had experience with now as well. But then it kind of hit me. I was like, what about all these old XFL guys and the AF guys and all these guys, you know, that have uh, just been around somewhere that maybe is a bit, you know, different to what people are used to. So the first guy I interviewed was uh, his name was Hakeem Valls. He was a tight end. Uh, he used to play for the Cardinals and then, I think he was with the Giants, and then I interviewed him when he was a free agent, and then he ended up going to the Spring League, which we'll get into that too. Um, he signed with the Spring League afterwards, but um, he was the first guy I interviewed. But then this, and that interview went well. He was he was a very nice guy, and again, a guy I'll always remember because that was a pivotal step in where I am now. The next guy I interviewed was James Butler, and that gotcha. <laughs> I remember being like I remember when I I like sent him a DM on Instagram or something. I didn't even I wasn't even using Twitter at the time. Again, sixteen year old kid. I'm like. Let's just shoot these guys DMs and see what happens. So James Butler responds. He's like, oh, dude, I would love to do this podcast with you. That would be great. You know, let's let's do it. Let's set up the interview on Zoom. I was ecstatic. I was like, that felt like my big break in a way. I was like, oh, my God, like we're interviewing James Butler from the Houston Roughnecks. I remember how good that guy was, you know, in the XFL. And more importantly, too, he was an NFL player before that. He had been with the Raiders for a bit uh, in 2019. And I think he had been with the Commanders as well. So I don't know. I was really excited. And he was a good XFL player. Um, as well in 2020, like he led the league in rushing touchdowns. And I mean, he, he was a good compliment to that offense in Houston that I had so much experience watching, I guess, five weeks of experience, but felt like a lot to me. Anyway, interviewed James Butler. That felt great. Interviewed a couple more guys after that. No, no one too. Um, I would have to go back and look. No, no one too notable. Like James Butler is, is still the one guy that I'll always remember that stands out and, um, and things like that. So, yeah, I did the podcast for a bit. That kind of rolled over into the beginning of 2021. Um, but then I realized, you know, it, it was hard building my own platform. Like, the, I, I had done a bunch of cool stuff. Now I had, you know, interviewed some XFL players, whatever, even a couple NFL guys, you know, that were free agents. But I still wasn't getting a lot of views. A lot of it was just my friends saying, like, hey, Evan, like, this is really cool, man. Like, keep it up. But, you know, it just didn't feel like I was getting – the same amount of reception that I wanted, or maybe I should have had. Um, I thought like we could really grow this. So I thought, okay, well, how should I go about this? And I, I had always been really good at writing. So I thought, okay, maybe we'll give that a shot instead of a podcast. I was still open to podcasting. I was like, maybe we can get a co-host or something and I can kind of build a brand with someone that's a bit more established. And I, you know, I would still be interested in doing that to this day if I had the time, which is a bit more tight now, but anyways, um, around like summer of 2021, I guess, I'd kind of stopped the podcast by that point. Um, that was the end of my junior year of high school. I was getting ready to go into senior year. I'm thinking I really want to start working on something a bit more long term. You know, I've I've had my fun. You know, whatever. COVID's kind of wrapping up. We're getting out of the lockdown. I had a surgery, which really improved my health around that time as well. So I was feeling good. I was feeling in a position where like I could really take this thing to the next level. Um, but again, I still needed to grow my brand. I still needed to, to get on board with somebody that had a bit more experience. Uh, so that's when I found News Hub. I found uh, Mark Perry um, at XFL News Hub. But initially, it wasn't XFL. It was CFL. And um, 
I had read articles on the XFL site before I had, um, you know, started working there. Um, but I didn't know the CFL site existed, but he put up something on Twitter, one of the platforms, Instagram, you know, saying that they were looking for CFL writers specifically, not XFL from what I recall. Uh, so I just sent him an email. I was like, Hey, you know, I'm not, I'm not totally versed in the CFL space. Like I have more experience with XFL and AAF, but I'm willing to give this a shot. And like, it's all football one way or another. So, you know, if you can have me on board, that'd be great. And, you know, within a couple days, I want to say it might've even been hours. You know, I um, was writing my first article and I think that was uh, July 31st, maybe it was August 1st, 2021, sometime around then a little over two years ago, I uh, was when my first article went up and I was covering the Hamilton Tiger cats at the time, uh, CFL team, um, you know, and, and I enjoyed it. I, there wasn't much of a, again, there wasn't too much of a personal connection because like I wasn't going to Hamilton to cover games or anything like that. I didn't really know anybody on the team. I was just, again, I was still kind of doing things for fun, just testing the waters, seeing if this was really going to be a viable option. That was when I started talking to a couple players again. Um, I talked to a couple guys in the CFL. I don't think I talked to any coaches, uh, but this is my senior year of high school now. Um, this is like fall 2021. And that's when things really started taking off because then I started transitioning into XFL coverage. Now at the time, again, 2021, nothing was going on with the XFL. It was like the complete dead period. There was a couple announcements, like the Rock had bought out the league by that point, And like they were maybe getting into talks with the CFL. So that's why there was a bit of a crossover, but nothing was really happening. I started writing about the XFL um, which coincided with my CFL content that fall. Um, and really all it was was like, you know, this XFL 2020 player doing this in an NFL game. I talked a lot. I mean, I have so many articles about PJ Walker, Taylor Heineke, you know, all those guys, all, you know, uh, um, a couple more. I, I won't name all of them again for time's sake. But, you know, I was writing about guys that had played in the XFL in 2020 that were now doing stuff in the NFL because there were a good chunk of guys from that league still on NFL active rosters and I thought okay great we can just write about this uh, I think I did one on like Josh Johnson too um, it was fun you know I was I was having fun doing that and I think I enjoyed that more um, than the CFL coverage just because it felt a bit more personal like I had watched that league in the past I was just kind of getting in the CFL at that point so I don't know it was it was two different games um, but you know both of them were important and um December 2021. I know we're getting a lot of specific dates here, but it'll it'll get a bit it'll get a bit faster because now people know what I'm doing. Um, December 2021. Uh, the dates I are went, good. Keep going with the dates. All I will. Good. Yeah. So December 2021. Um, I remember uh, there was this thing Hub Football, which is now Grid Camps, um, which was very well known amongst uh, sort of like free agent tryout type camps. Um, and they had one coming up in San Diego. I had known about the program several months before that, but they, at the time they were having a lot more camps up in uh, up in L.A. and Orange County, and I, I just didn't really have the time to get up there at that point. So then they announced the one in San Diego, and I said, okay, I need to go to this. Like I took a day off school to go down there and um, you know just go meet some people, and I'm like, this is the type of thing I've been wanting to do for a long time. Like let's go. Like I'm starting to get more you know social media traction. I've you know put enough articles up now where like, People maybe know what I'm doing to some extent, but like now it's time to go and do stuff in person. Like, let's go meet some players, meet some coaches, you know, actually have these in-person interactions, which I, we, we talked about earlier are so important, you know, to what I do now. Um, 
so I went down there. Uh, I had a great time. Met a lot of cool people um, at that first camp. Uh, a couple names that I can remember, like on the media side, it was Rick Saratella. Shout out to Rick, great guy. Me and him still talk all the time. He was like one of the first dudes I met at the time. He was uh, he was doing NFL Draft Bible with um, Sports Illustrated. Now they've kind of moved to all access football, but um, you know he was kind of covering the Hub event and, and doing that, and you know. Really cool guy to meet. You know, I, I felt like meeting him was almost a big break in some ways. And, you know, he's gone on to do a lot of cool things since then. Um, you know, still working really hard. So shout out to Rick. Uh, a couple other guys I met down there. Um, I can remember uh, Quincy Moget. Um, I was ecstatic to meet because he was an AAF guy. He played for the Legends uh, in Atlanta. And then now he's up in the CFL um, with the BC Lions. He signed uh, shortly after that. Um, there was him that I met, which was really cool. Again, I was that was like the first time one of the first players I think I'd really interacted with from any of those leagues. So I was kind of a, I was fanboying a bit. Uh, I'll admit, um, you know, I, I, again, I didn't really know a lot of the time. This is my first kind of event that I had been to. So I was just, you know, learning the ropes and figuring out who was who. And I had the roster and everything. And it was cool. I felt like a businessman, you know, I felt like a hustler. Um, you know, uh, what other guys were there? Um, we had, uh, Zach, uh, I can't think of his last name, but he, um, he was with the Barcelona Dragons in Europe uh, at the time. Now he plays for the Paris team over in Europe. And then his receiver was there too, uh, Jean Constant. They had like the you know quarterback wide receiver tandem. Um, John is still playing really well over in Europe with uh, Hamburg, I think, or it might be Milano now. I think he was with Hamburg last year. But anyway, a couple guys like that I got to meet. And it was just cool, like first time interacting with like pro football players on a face-to-face basis. I had done it a couple times virtually, but I was like – that day, whatever day that was in December, again, that, that's a bit too specific for me, but I'll. that was the day <laughs> where I was like, this this is what I want to do. This is what I need to do. This is what I need to capitalize on. Like all that stuff I've done. What's that? <laughs> I said you fell in love. The media. I did. I mean, like, I've been working so hard the past year trying to figure out if this was really the right path. And then once I saw these guys in person, I was like, oh, yeah, like this is we, we need to build on this. Like, again, this is something special. It goes back to that feeling I first had watching the AAF in 2019 being like, OK, we can capitalize on this. This is something I'm going to make this into something. I don't know what it is yet, but we're working hard. You know, things are going in the right direction. So I went to a couple more of those hub camps throughout you know my senior year of high school because they, they kept them in San Diego. I think I went to uh, four or five. I missed one of them. I was away um, at the time in Hawaii, I think, with family vacation. But um, I was doing that. And then, uh, yeah, so I graduated high school, um, you know, last year. I guess that was uh, June of 2022. And then coincidentally, that month was when I think I did my first, like, XFL article. It had been a long time since I had wrote. Yeah, I, I took a couple months hiatus from my sort of xfl to nfl articles because the nfl season ended you know then i had a couple months of just you know sticking to cfl stuff i was like really hammering home cfl offseason stuff i think during that time um and then uh yeah so you know june 2022 rolls around i've just graduated high school you know getting ready to go to college it's a bit of a shorter summer um you know and i had agreed to cover the houston roughnecks because this was like by now they had announced um you know, XFL's coming back. We're getting a bit more information. Um, you know, things were starting to come into fruition. And I did a, I did a bit of USFL coverage, too, um, during that spring before I graduated. Um, I don't normally bring that up because I didn't do a ton. Again, it was kind of – some of it was just bad timing. Like, again, it was a changing time in my life. I was getting ready to graduate. I was going on a bunch of 
trips. I was just trying to see a bunch of people I wasn't going to see for a while. So I'll admit my USFL coverage was a bit lacking, but I, I did some stuff for the Tampa Bay Bandits. And I was doing like, I think like uh, weekly player power rankings or something like that. And those actually got pretty good traction. I did an article too. I remember um, like top 10 USFL players like preseason and that got a lot of traction as well. Those were some of my, you know, better viewed articles of all time before this XFL stuff, which I'll get into now. So yeah, it's like June 2022. I agreed to cover the Roughnecks because I knew in the back of my mind, I was like, well, you know, I, I knew I was going to LSU at the time, which is where I'm at now. Um, that's somewhat close to Houston. I'm like, okay, maybe there's a chance I can get out there for a game, some games. Turns out I was able to go to all the home games, which, you know, again, we'll, we'll get in, we'll get into that. I'm not going to, I'm not going to spoil too much, but you know, um, so I, I was covering the Roughnecks. I was doing my first couple like team related XFL articles. You know, I, I think my first article was like coaching staff and then talking about, um, I don't know, maybe, um, I don't know, just a lot of like coaches and some of the the, the players they might be looking at too. Um, I don't know. It was slow that summer with XFL stuff, but I was committed to it. Um, and then I got to college in August of last year, started freshman year of college. And, um, you know, I, the XFL, like, because it was so slow, I mean, I had been to the, uh, the Arizona showcase over the summer, which kind of sort of um, rejuvenated me a bit. I was like, okay, you know, we're, we're still going. This is still happening. Um, but because the college football season was coming up, I wanted to do a bit more um, a bit more scouting for, for college football, more hands-on scouting, because I knew that was something I also wanted to do alongside media. I was getting really involved with players, and I was like, well, let's, you know, give this a hand. So went around a couple spots in Louisiana for that that bit um, first semester, like in fall of last year, you know, going to a couple games, like I said, I've been to Tulane and uh, uh, ULL and Southern, and I was hoping to get out to Southeastern, but, but that didn't happen again. A lot of schools around here, um, you know, so I did that. And then by the time, like, as that was finishing up, like the XFL draft was happening. And that was like, I mean, I remember being up to like 4am, you know, writing the draft recap article. And, that. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, now we're really in the swing of it again. Like if anything, if I, you know, had gone quiet about the XFL for a bit before that, it was fully like time to, you know, put the, put the foot on the gas pedal with XFL stuff again. So, you know, college football season wrapped up pretty quickly. And then it was a swift transition from there into XFL content. But even like, I don't know, you know, the, the XFL season by that point was like, you know, a month or two away. And I still didn't really have too much of an expectation. Again, I'd never really done this before. I knew, like, I think I got my credential in like January. So there was still a lot of uncertainty, like right up until, you know, I really went to the first game there in Houston. Um, but I was really excited. Like I knew by that point I wanted to be committed to it. I, I think I was known mostly for XFL stuff at that point more than anything. Like I was doing some college football, you know, some other things like still a bit of CFL here and there, but I was really known for XFL more than anything. And I was like, okay, well, if this is what people want, like, let's go do it. Cause I, again, I, I want to cater to the people, but I was just excited because I watched the league in 2020. We're coming back after three years. Everything just felt so surreal as we were counting down the days. So I get my media pass. I don't know. I, I don't really have an expectation. Like I've never done this before. I fly out to Houston that first weekend in February for the home opener. And I'm like, I remember getting up at like, man, I think my flight was at like, nine or something i was up at like 5 a.m i'm like well, let's go like i'm, I'm so excited i'm <laughs> my suit on everything i'm like we're, we're doing this man it it was uh it was it was a good time so i still didn't really have an expectation but i was excited i'm like the league's coming back like we're really here like everything just felt so surreal so quickly is the best way i can put it uh so we get out there in houston week one games against orlando um and it's a tie i mean it, it is like i get out there on the field and i mean i'm you know like i I don't get emotional very often, but like just I remember standing there and like 
I was just looking around. Like, no one had really come out in the field yet. I was there like three hours early. <laughs> but I, I remember standing out there, man, like, I had a bit of water in my eyes. I was like, oh, geez. Like, I, I didn't think it was going to be like this. But there really is a special feeling. Like, after everything I had been through in my personal life and after everything I kind of rolled the dice on to be standing there in that position, you know, feeling like I was the man, really, um, you know, that feeling was unmatched. It really did get me uh, – it had me a bit emotional there, just kind of standing there and, you know, just now I, I get a bit emotional talking about it, but uh, I, I won't uh, I won't start crying on your stream. Don't worry. Um, hey, it's okay. You got to celebrate those wins, man. There's nothing dude, wrong with celebrating I, hey, wins. Any, any tears from that were tears of happiness. Let me tell you that I right understand. now. Yep. Um, but, uh, yeah, man, I, I was out there, you know, week one, seeing everything for the first time. I remember being there during warm-ups and, like, meeting all these people that I had been talking to for, for a while, like A.J. Smith being one of them, a couple of the players out there. Um, it was just all so surreal. It was coming at me so fast. I'm like, wow, like we're really doing this. And I went up in the press box and it was the same thing. I'd been a, a credential media member that by that point. So I knew um, I knew how press boxes work and everything. But it was different because I was up there and people like knew who I was. You know, people knew like it felt so much more personal because I'd done a lot of college scouting. But the reality is there. I'm just another guy. You know, but yep. here this was like this was my spot. You know, I was yep. I remember being there and one of the, the photographers comes up to me and he's like, he's like, man, like he's like, I, I recognize you from somewhere. He's like some podcast or something. And I'm like, yeah, man, like I'm, I'm around on Twitter. You know, I'm, I covered the XFL. And he's like, yeah, you're the roughnecks guy. And I'm like, oh, in my, my heart, I was like, it just warmed immediately. I was like, OK, so people know know me for my coverage. Now, I had people in the stands, you know, who recognized me. Like, you kind of feel like a celebrity a bit. It was a, it was a very rewarding feeling. But anyway, like I said, um, was up in the press box week one, just sitting there. People, again, know who I am. Like, it's it feels way more personal. Um, the game wraps up. I was really tired because, like I said, I've been up till 5 a.m., so I didn't go to that press conference. Um, I just remember going back to the hotel, and I had that same, like, overwhelming feeling again. I actually recorded the video. It's it's still up on my uh, on my Twitter um, I made a video because I just had so much to say. I was like, how do I even like, how do I put this together? Like, I, I need someone to hear this. You know, I just wanted to call somebody and, and tell them all about it. You know, just about everything that I felt and everything. It was like, we waited three years for this and it, it was so successful and we finally did it. So I put a video out just kind of saying, it was really a thank you for just everybody that made, who made that happen. Um, that could give me that opportunity. You know, I was just so thrilled that the league was back and that things looked good and that things were happening. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I, I think I did uh, – ended up doing six home games, every home game because we had the playoff game. Uh, so I, I did six games there in Houston. That really defined my last semester um, of college. You know, I was just – felt like I was traveling all the time. Again, I was hustling. You know, I was just moving all the time and, uh, you know, going to Houston and meeting the guys. Like, it, it became a regular thing, especially, I'll tell you, those first – you might remember we had those, um, those first three home games, like back to back to back. So I was there for like yep. three straight weekends. I was like, I might as well buy a house out here. You know, this feels like home. I'm starting to really warm up. With, you know what I mean? Um, I know what yeah. you mean. Believe me. I understand. Yeah, it, it was a, that was a trip. Like, but by the time that was over, I think I went, I had spring break, went to Mexico with my family or something. I needed a break by then. I was like, whew. Like we've, that, that was the hardest I think I'd worked it was in my intense. life doing those three games. Um, it takes a toll, man. It really does. But, you know, I did the six home games that season. Um I definitely felt emotional again that last game, the, the playoff game where we lost to, to Arlington. Um, you know, it, it was sad because I knew that was, uh, you know, uh, I had visions in my mind, I think, of, of going to the championship and, and seeing the team win and that really being the icing on the cake. But I got back to the hotel again, thought about it, made another video, and I, I was more I was more talking about – it was just reflections. I'm like, well, 
you know, yeah, we, we didn't, um, you know, the season ended not the way that we would have wanted it, but like, you know, there were so many damn good memories that we made that season and so much progress on my end personally. And like, it just felt like everyone came together. And mo- most importantly, again, it comes back to this whole point about, I got to meet a lot of cool people, got to a lot, got to, excuse me, interact with a lot of people that I wouldn't normally interact with. Or, you know, if I didn't take that chance, and I didn't go out there to do that. You know, I wouldn't have, you know, been in that position. Um, so I don't know, again, a lot of feelings came rushing towards me then. Um, they still do, you know, every time I talk about it, it's like, it feels like I'm telling a whole story, even though it was only a couple weeks and there's still so much more to be written. Um, but that kind of takes us to where we're at now. And we can maybe transition a bit um, into sort of what I'm doing specifically now, which is player personnel. Um, you know, I'm still doing media. I'm, I'm still doing uh, a lot of that stuff. But, um, you know, right now, like, like I said before, last last year, it's almost been a year now. You know, I, I was focused more on college scouting. I enjoyed media. I knew the XFL was going to be fun, exceeded my expectations expectations but I also knew that it might not be my path forever so I was like let's you know dabble in something else so again I started doing a bit of scouting you know player evals um and even when I was in the XFL at those games you know doing media I was still looking at all the players you know I was still I had my eye on certain guys I was talking to guys from either team you know didn't really matter if it was Houston or the opponent whoever was there you know there was some felt like there was players there that I always had my eye on that I always wanted to talk to um just guys that were really interesting to me, um, you know, and that like just being there on the sidelines in those XFL games, like, yeah, I mean, I wasn't, you know, a scout then or anything, but I just, I was interacting with players and I felt like, man, like this is, you know, I'm really gravitating towards this. Like every time I am there in person doing something, like I just want to have a larger role and, and be a part of it, you know, where I can, um, you know, really interact with guys and, and have a say in certain things and decisions. And, you know, that that's really getting into what player personnel is. So, um, I'll, let, let's see. I mean, I, I can talk about, um, I guess, I think once the XFL season ended, I started, well, even before that though, I, I want to say like, you know, middle of the XFL season, I kind of just started, um, reaching out to certain people in different leagues about possible, you know, personnel, uh, opportunities. I reached out to some people in the, in the CFL. Um, but I kind of realized like, you know, CFL, their scouts. I mean, I don't know. There's tighter, tighter budgets. They've got like a football ops cap. And um, I, I just don't know if I was ready. Like I didn't have that experience yet. You know what I mean? So the CFL was an option. Cause again, I went to the CFL first. Cause I'm like, okay, we're already doing XFL media. You know, CFL has been around for a while and I've covered CFL in the past. So there's still some connection there, but it won't interfere with the stuff that I'm doing now. It's a separate league, but you know, still a good level of competition. And uh, of course, good players. Um, you know, so I reached out to some people in the CFL, heard some things back, but, you know, ultimately didn't get any offers or anything like that. Um, and then, you know, over this summer, I was I was really pushing, you know, I again, the XFL season was over. So things slowed down again on the media side. I was still cranking out. There were so many player rights claims and things like that, you know, articles I had to do. And I'm still that there's still things that I probably haven't done that I need to get to. But um you know, as things slowed down a bit in the summer, as the XFL season was over and I had a bit more time to reflect, you kind of start thinking next steps again, because I'm young, right? I'm at a point in my life where, um, you know, I, uh, I have a lot of options. Like I kind of have freedom to explore. You know what I mean? There's nothing really tying me down. So I was like, okay, you know, let's maybe roll the dice again and see if I can, you know, get like, it's fun. You know, it's, it's fun working the sidelines, like with it. Well, you know, it's fun being there, like 
in the XFL, like in Houston or whatever at the games. But the reality is like, I'm not employed by the organization. You see what I mean? So I don't have like a hands-on, like, you know, I'm, I'm there, but I'm not also because like, I'm at the end of the day, I'm a third party media guy. That's different from being somebody that's in the building. So I kind of said, okay, where can I get into a building? You know what I mean? Where can I, you know, maybe have an elevated role when it comes to my opinion and things like that. Everyone in Houston treated me great. That's that's nothing against them. I'm not saying they needed to do anything more. Um, but I just, you know, I was like, well, let's, you know, I, I just felt like I was at a point where I had gathered enough experience to where I was ready to make another jump. And, you know, these jumps were having, they, excuse me, these jumps were happening rather quickly. Like, keep in mind, like, you know, two years ago, I was starting my senior year of high school. Like, I had just started working at News Hub two years ago. So we're taking a lot of big strides here early. And I understand that. And I'm very yeah. blessed that I'm, again, able to do that. But uh, you know, I was yeah, like I over the think, summer. I didn't Go think ahead. you were as young as you are until this conversation. Honestly, yeah, I didn't. A lot know of a lot of people don't. Young. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people think I'm you know mid twenties or something, but no, I haven't. Yep. Even, I haven't even hit twenty yet. I mean, I will. You get a and, lot uh, of years, brother. Yeah, I, I hope so. Assuming everything goes right, man. You know, take care of yourself and all that. But like I was saying, um, you know, uh. So over the summer, I was like, well, why not roll the dice and see if I can get some sort of personnel gig somewhere? Uh, so I kind of, you know, CFL wasn't really going to work out. So I was thinking where else. And, you know, then I looked at the IFL. I looked at arena football. I said, OK, that might be something because that's, you know, um, a bit of a tier below, you know, these pro outdoor leagues. But at the same time, they still have a good um, like the IFL has been around for 15 years now. You know, so they have a foundation and they have good players, too. A lot of people don't realize, but like, you know in that league, there are several players who have had lengthy careers in CFL and, and even NFL in some cases. Uh, so it's not just some, I mean, a lot of people use the term Bush league. I don't think it's Bush league as someone who follows all this stuff. I think the IFL, you know, is, is a great example of again, alternate football, spring football. Maybe it's not opportunity followed as much. Yep. It's maybe it's not followed as much or, or talked about as much, but you know, and part of that has to do with the coverage, right? It just doesn't have the same type of following, yeah. but I know about it and I care about it. And I wanted to capitalize on that. I said, this looks like the next thing where I can make an impact. I just, I don't know. I was like, you know, there was enough teams to where I can, you know, get involved with enough people. So, you know, I, I reached out and, uh, you know, talked to certain individuals and, um, Mike Davis from, uh, from Vegas was the one that really stood out. The guy that really took me seriously. And, um, you know, I actually kind of responded to what I was saying and, um, yeah, I mean, you know, Mike's been a great guy to work with. You know, we're, we're really just starting, you know, to, to get through um, the beginning phases here. I'm, I'm sort of in a uh, – I mean, I'm I'm really training the whole time because I'm still young. But right now we're in, like, the real beginning, like, just, you know, sort of outlining things because the season's not till March. You know, we got a long ways to go. Um, but, you know, I've learned a lot from him already. You know, he's he's been a great asset. And uh, what really – what I really like about, you know, him and the Vegas team is, I mean, we, what we've been talking about – you know, at the top of the show, just how great of a market Vegas is, you know, for sports. And unfortunately, it might not be working out for the Vipers. But overall, I mean, they've got a lot of stuff going on in there. And it's kind of like in a similar position where I've been, where they've added a lot of things in a short amount of time. You know what I mean? Just in the past couple of years. So, uh, um, you know, Vegas, I think the market will definitely uh, attract some people. But then Mike specifically, you know, head coach, general manager, Mike Davis, guy that I'm working with, um, he stood out because of his previous CFL experience. You know, for those who don't know, um, he was the director of player personnel for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders um, for, I think, four years, 2016 to 2019, something like that. Um, and then I think he uh, was with the Argonauts after that, with the, working with their defensive line. Um, but that was during the COVID year, so he didn't end up actually coaching that. And then all the Vegas stuff started. They brought him in to, to run the new arena team. You know, the Nighthawks have only been around since 2022. 
I don't know if I'm, I'm sure a lot of people here don't know that, but like we're an expansion team somewhat, you know, we're a relatively new team, you know, coming into a hot market and, um, you know, we're excited to, to make things work out. I think ultimately that there's a lot to work with there and a lot to um, just a lot going on, you know, that there's, I'm very excited for, you know, the next couple months and um, like, you know, we got an open tryout uh, at the end of October. So, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to going out to Vegas for that and kind of helping facilitate things. And again, all this in-person stuff I talk about, I love getting my eyes on, you know, guys like physically and, um, you know, just, just being there in person adds another, um, another level, I think of that personal connection and, um, you can never shake that type of stuff. So yeah, man, I mean, that's where I'm at now. I, I won't keep, uh, I won't keep rambling for too long as we're coming up on two hours here. So I, I, I think <laughs> it's I'm, been a long one. I gotta go to the bathroom. Yeah, I, think we're, I think we're getting ready to, uh, to wrap this one up, but look, man, you know, ultimately again, I'm, I'm very blessed and I'm very fortunate to be in this position to where I'm only 19 years old, but I can have an opportunity to build a pro football team, which I really think was my vision somewhat again going back to all that stuff which is now over four years ago i was like there's something here there's something here what is it like you know i'm, I'm trying to get the light bulb to flick and now i feel like it's starting to flicker you know now i feel like we're actually getting in places and, and you know my name is is more well known i'm getting things out there i'm pushing the brand and um you know th this right now i mean if i thought like i mean xfl was great and, and the coverage was great and i'm still gonna do that i should i should uh definitely make that point clear. Like I'm not just cause I'm working in the IFL. I'm not going anywhere with my XFL coverage. I'm, I'm still committed to that at least for next season. Um, you know, I thought I hit a pinnacle with the XFL. I thought it wasn't going to get any better than that. Um, just cause I was so overwhelmed at the time. There was so much going on. I was like, we're living the dream. We're living in the moment. Um, but yet again, like, again, we are just adding things, you know, things just keep seem to, to, um, getting better. Like, I don't know if I even said that right. They, they seem to keep getting better. That's yeah. Once you um, hit two hours, man, it gets hard. Yeah, to really that's what that's what I was about to say. That's when you start slurring your words yeah, and you start yeah. uh, you start losing your mind. But um, no, man, I, I think again, <laughs> what what I'll finish with here is um, you know, I, I really want to. This is more of a message um, than anything. But uh, you know, the reality is, I mean, I know a lot of people say hard work pays off, and maybe that sounds like a simple thing. Um, you know, but uh, it does like I'm 19 years old and I'm, I'm able to do all this because I, you know, I put my time and money and effort into the right places and I, I just stay consistent. You know, it's these little things that really add up. And if you, again, just do your research and you really find something that you love. I, I always try and preach to people, especially people, you know, that are my age and, and people in college or even kids, you know, that are still in high school. You know, I, I try and tell them, I'm like, well, don't, you know, you, you can never tell yourself that something is too out of reach because I tried doing that. But every time, you know, every time I said something was out of reach, it seemed like I just accomplished it. I would go out there and I would do it. Um, you know, so I, I don't know, like I've, I've come a long way in the past two years, much further than I would have ever imagined. Uh, the fact that, you know, we're sitting here now talking about all this stuff and I've been able to, you know, talk for two hours about, you know, just all this business is, is insane in itself. Uh, it's insane that I can, you know, have a, a role with a pro football team at 19 years old. And, you know, I was only 18 really for most of the XFL season. So I was even younger and 17 when I started, um, you know, back at, back at news hub, I just turned 17. So again, it's never too early to start, you know, and it's never too late to start either. I think, you know, you, you can really, again, in two years, I went from, you know, a kid just kind of at home on my couch, like a casual, you know, football fan to, you know, now I am working 
working directly with pro teams and a lot of, you know, very experienced people in this field. Uh, so you, you can't, you know, you can't, uh, you can't write that any other way. Any, anything's possible. I know all that sounds just like some, you know, like fairy tale Cinderella story. And I know there's you, people who are watching this have probably heard that a million times, but I really believe in that. I, I think there is, you know, if you do work hard and if you do, you know, put again, you, you find something and capitalize on it, things can happen really quickly and you can go yep. places that you really never thought were possible. And um, yep. I hope everybody can take something away from that because, uh, you know, it wasn't easy for me. I, I, I say all this, you know, it, it makes me sound like some sort of, you know, football mogul or, you know, I don't oh, know. No. <laughs> it sounds like the journey has been extensive. I mean, very, very. Even it, you some know, of I, the things you say, it, it's some of the same things I experienced coming in last year. I mean, it, exactly my thoughts and testaments. And I would have never guessed that coming from you and seeing you in in, in public, you know? Yeah, man. I think I mean, again, the first I, I game I came up and met you yeah. and shook your hand. Yeah, it was like holy crap! It's, it's Evan. Evan's right here. Oh, oh man, yeah. this is for real. And so, yeah, yeah, man. Again, it, it's been it's been an uphill battle. You know, I've I've had a lot of you know as much as there's been you know fruits of labor or whatever you want to call it. There's also been a lot of you know trials and tribulations, and you know I think all of that has made me a better person. At the end of the day, it makes a lot of people better. You know, when you go through um hardship and things like that, and I've had a, a fair share of that in my life, even in recent years. Um, you know, I, I started early and i had to get through a lot of stuff but you know now it's all now it's really all starting to pay off it's it's starting to go real quickly and happy um, for you man you know now i appreciate it you know and it's uh it's it's all it's all surreal like i i i wake up every day and i just think i gotta pinch myself you know i'm like Mm -hmm. i'm like we're we're really doing this you know and it's uh you know i'm i I can't be more happy to to be where i'm at now it's 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 awesome yeah i mean congratulations you should be proud of yourself i mean like i said celebrate your wins because absolutely i mean you definitely have made some wins and strides and just the way you handle yourself and the way you um the way you are professionally i mean it's noticed so i mean keep up the, i know the it is yeah and I've, I've realized that more and more now that i've gone to again more in-person things of that nature yep. but, but um, yeah i'm always trying to make a good impression man and to be honest i'm you know i'm a really open person too people should also keep that in mind like i you know, just because maybe I, I sound like I know a lot and I, I can talk for a long time, you know, it doesn't mean that I, you know, can't be, you know, down to earth with whoever. I'm happy to talk to anybody. You know, I think not not just in this space, but again, you know, if you have like any questions, I mean, I'm always happy to, you know, answer stuff. I'm a, I'm a very open book. You know, people who know me, people who are close to me, people who grew up with me will know that best. Like I'm open about a lot of things. So, you know, never hesitate to ask a question, even if you think it might seem silly or, you know, it might you know, maybe you don't even know exactly what you're asking. You just got some general question about something uh, that I do or, you know, that I'm involved with. I mean, I'm, I'm open, man. I'm, I'm happy to, uh, you know, I'm happy to explain really anything. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I think that's what makes the best part about most of the XFL media or personalities. I mean, most, yeah. most of us, most of you, the more popular ones, I mean, they're, you're easy to connect with. You're easy to talk to. You're easy to, to be real. I mean, there's a few people around along this journey that have kind of shunned or, or been really egotistical, but I can say confidently that 90%, 95% of the media personalities are people, analysts, great mm-hmm. individuals, and, and you're one. So keep it up, yeah. man. Appreciate you. Just like many of the other guys, you bring a, a necessary 
component to the spring football world, whether it be CFL or, or XFL or USFL. It, it really doesn't matter. It's as we just answered USFL question. I, I'm here for the success of both leagues. I picked the XFL because I'm one person attempting to do this by myself. So I know realistically I can't really do both. So, but I'm here for all the success. Yeah, now, since we've, we've been on for so long, I got a couple more questions for you and then we'll hop off. Yep. Um, go. Shoot them. Shoot them at so me. So the, the one that I always ask people, and dude, I may have to run to the restroom here, so I'm trying to hold them up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're good, uh, man. You're good. Uh, the The next question that I got really is, is I've asked a lot of people, how do you see the XFL evolving in two years? I mean, personally, what do you think we're going to be looking at in 2025? Yeah, well, I mean, I I imagine we might be looking at some different markets. What I'd really hope is by that point, um, more than anything, you know, we'll, we'll see some players, you know, stick around, you know, guys that were here initially in 2023, still there uh, in 2025. And, you know, um, guys that can really make careers out of this league, because we talked about it earlier, but as much as we want, you know, guys to go on to the NFL, there is a component about, um, you know, having guys, uh, um, you know, stick in these leagues and, and develop a career and like you can still play quality pro football it's not all just about getting back to the nfl as a lot of people make it seem like you know there is sort of a stigma around that and i'm i'm trying you know within certain uh communities i guess you know or certain people i talk to i'm like you know just um just don't uh you know don't don't put it all in the nfl like these leagues are individual and sustaining and that's what matters understood understood i was about to run to the restroom but we're going to try to get this done I'm going to try to get right. you jammed out. We'll, we'll wrap it up quickly. I, I won't go on any more. You're good, bro. You're good. So last one before we go. Um, been a great interview. I mean, this every, one, every interview I get on, we end up making a plan, and then we run with it, and there's too much to talk about. This this yep. is a common thing. I mean, it happens very commonly. Yeah, there's um, never – I mean, at least on my end, like I can I can talk about so many things at nauseum. I mean, we could be here for four hours, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. And we're not even talking actual football. You know, we're talking the news and updates. And yep. so that's yep. that's what's There's crazy so many components, about it. man. You, you can't, I mean, you can't put it next to anything, really. What's some future plans or projects you may be working on? I know you've got some stuff with the IFL coming. I mean, mm-hmm. but in terms of you personally, are you pursuing any other positions or, or going to be riding or covering any more sports moving forward? I don't know. I mean, right now I'm pretty content with, you know, my IFL gig and I think that's going to keep me busy for a long time, at least through, you know, until next summer. Um, and then again, on top of the XFL stuff, like I don't, I, I've got a pretty full plate at this point. Um, I, I might want to dabble in, you know, a bit of college football again. I mean, I go to LSU, big college football school, um, whether I get to work with their football team in some capacity or not next year or the year after, I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll figure that out. That's maybe something on the list, but uh, no guarantees awesome. there. That I, It would be awesome, but it's also extremely competitive. Uh, so we'll see what happens. You know, um, other than that, I, I don't know. I mean, again, like I said, you know, I, I, I think I'm I, – I don't want to say I'm transitioning out of media, but the fact that I'm doing, you know, player personnel – now like I, I do want to lean more on that as time goes on so you know maybe if you're if you're talking about years as opposed to months um there, there might be a point where you know I, i'm i'm just doing personnel full-time and i'm a bit quieter you know more, more on the uh scouting and evaluation side but we'll see you know everything that's happened to me so far has been pretty unexpected um you know i've tried to plan for things but you never really know how life's going to go so yeah i think i've got some you know big ideas and big dreams as i always will have but like 
you know, things are so unpredictable. I mean, I, I could go anywhere. Understood. And that's good. Leave your doors open, especially being 20, man. I mean, yep. there's no telling where you'll, I'm 32. And I mean, I've, I've had a career myself, but there's no telling where you'll end up or what different changes you'll make coming 10 years from now, 15 years from now. So, I mean, exactly. it's, it's yep. fantastic that you have open. that mindset. Yep. Again, especially a lot right of, now too, because um, I just got, uh, you know, so I, I got so much freedom right now. Like I live by yep. myself, you know, I can, I can kind of go do whatever. There's no real tie downs. You know, I got, yep. I got school mostly taken care of. Like if anything, I've got more free time in college now than I did really ever, you know, more than high school, even <laughs> more like in COVID because I was still focused on my health and a lot of other things. So I don't know right now, again, it's just a great time to explore and I'm not going to stop. That's definitely the one thing I'll say. Like I, I'm committed. I'm hundred percent committed. And I think everyone who knows me well knows that too. So. Yes, sir. I, I agree with that. And I always look forward to your tweets and information and come Houston next year. That's that's going to be the best part walking in and, and talking. And, you know, we, we've oh, yeah. got this connection. Man, we'll, we'll all be back. I mean, you yeah. know, not just you and me, but there'll be plenty of other familiar yep. faces. Like, I, I'm already waiting to just get back to that, you know, because that's uh, I've already spoken so much about how much that means to me. And that's probably like the best part of my job. So I, um, you know, February can't come sooner, man. <laughs> Agreed, sir. Agreed. It, it'll be a good time, and, and I'm excited as well. Even if we have to move down the street, it's it's okay. We'll take yep. it. <laughs> it's, it's all right. It's a, new, it's a new experience. You get to see more new things, so I'm open to that. Like I said, open book. Keep the doors yes, open, sir. whatever you want to say. Yes, sir. Well, I think that wraps it up, Evan. I don't want to keep you on for three hours, brother. Hours. <laughs> yeah, we, we better not ask too many more questions or else I might get into something and then – at that point, you'll need a water bottle there for uh, you know your your bathroom situation. <laughs> Not far from it, to be honest with you. <laughs> but anyway, bro, uh, I look forward to talking with you more. I know you're supposed to come visit my way soon, so that'll be good. Get to sit yep. down, and have some lunch, talk some more, absolutely. And pick your ear off ear uh, off air. You know, yeah. have a little more free handed conversation. Hundred uh, percent. Yeah, brother, I appreciate you coming on. It's been a great pleasure, and and I look forward to the future and whatever you do, and as well as whatever you do for the XFL. So keep up the yep, good work, I man. Appreciate it, man. That means a lot. Hustle Thank hard. You. Do your thing. But yeah, before we close it out, what anything you want the people to know? Socials, uh, where to find you? I've got your stuff rolling at the bottom right now for Twitter and News Hub, at least XFL News Hub. Um, yeah, I put a bunch um, of your links in the notes already. So once I post it, it's just easily clickable. But you know, yeah. whatever you want to say. Um, yeah, I mean, no, nah, as long as you got Twitter, that's where everything happens. Like I'm, I'm on LinkedIn too. But like, I've got the little um, like hyperlink to my LinkedIn on Twitter. So I don't know. You gotcha. can just find everything in one go. And then I got Instagram with the same handle as Twitter, but I don't use Instagram too much. It's more of a personal Damn. account. If you want to go see some pictures of me, you know, fishing and, and doing cool stuff. You can go check that out. But uh, if you want football, you'll, you'll stay on Twitter. I think. <laughs> understood brother. Understood. Thank you again for coming on and spending two hours tonight with us. Been Absolutely. A great pleasure, man. Man. It was fun. It was, was great. Yes, sir. And like I said earlier, celebrate your wins, man. Take that time. Really do yep. it. I mean, you're you're making some strides and achievements that people your age do not do typically. So so celebrate your achievements and keep hustling, brother. Uh, thanks, man. Until next time, Evan. We'll see you, man. Yep. All right. Appreciate Evan for coming on tonight. That was a great interview. Every interview has been great with the guests. There's always a different uh there's always a different piece to the puzzle that, that the guys bring so i appreciate everyone coming on and and like i said in previous shows 
you know, getting to know Evan was was key for me. Uh, I met him my first go around at Houston, and and I was just a, a little a low level podcaster trying to make it, and, and and you know, so it's good to see see how relationships and and careers flourish, whether it involves me or him personally. I mean, I, meeting him then, I wouldn't have expected what was going on now, but great individual, great great individual. So. Guys, follow him if you don't already. Check him out, but I'm sure most of you already do. You keep up with it. He's a great source of information, especially when Houston plays. That's when you really want to be following Evan and keeping up. So thank you again, Evan, for coming on. Before I roll out, um, I've got two people that won T-shirts. I had 283 entries in total for a free T-shirt contest. So the two individuals will get to pick a secondary logo shirt from the XFL site, and I will make that purchase and send it to their homes. Um, so the first one is Nathan Begelman or Bageman. Uh, I'm not sure how to say your name correctly, but I'll message you, man, if you're not listening. And then the second one is Cadero LaShawn Smith. Uh, both recently followed and were added to the list and won the drawing. So all I did was took everybody's name and put it on a spreadsheet with a number and then put those numbers in a random drawing. And I got two numbers and traced it back to the spreadsheet. So they won. Congratulations, guys. Appreciate you liking and following. I'm trying to get my social media game up a little bit in terms of likes and follows, but if not, no worries. Um, but, but it's definitely something I'm trying to do before the season hits, so I do not have to worry about any of that. Um, Thursday, we got Rick 8-Bit coming on. He's the creator of XFL Tecmo Super Bowl. Should be a good, great interview. He's got some different ideas and thoughts, and he's got a lot of different things he's worked on, so look forward to hearing from him. Uh, thanks to the XFL and XFLboard.com. Appreciate you letting me cover XFL. And xflboard.com, thank you for putting me on your site and allowing me to do some publications when possible. Um, otherwise, that's it for me, guys. I got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> that coffee for two hours does not mix. But anyway, appreciate you guys again for listening. It's been a fun one, and I look forward to Thursday. Until next time, we'll see you then. Peace out, guys. <laughs>